Meanwhile, back at the Hall of Justice, our mild-mannered podcasters were bombarded by gamma rays, bitten by radioactive bugs, mutated by toxic waste, irradiated with cosmic rays, born into a world that doesn't understand them. First issue. Hello everybody, it's Wednesday, December 18th, 2013, and you are listening to the Talking Comics Podcast. I am your host, Bobby Shortle, and I'm in the house with Steve Say, Mr. Bob Ryan. I'm cold and wet, it's snowing. And Stephanie Cook. Akira! (laughs) What? I don't know. Oh, because she has our Godzilla onesie on. Mm. Yeah. That's why. I got it. It's a visual joke. Doesn't work so well for us. (laughs) Well, now you know, because you explained it, so. It's true. It's All good. jokes are better once you explain them, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a funny moment. Right before the, the theme is playing, right before I'm supposed to start the show, just maybe not every week, maybe every other week, I have this like moment of like absolute terror that I forget how to that I, how I start the show. <laughs> it's like this little, little moment of complete in, indecision where I forget if I say my name first or everybody else's name first. It's this weirdly weird thing. And I've done it like 100 and I think... With all interviews said, I think it's 140 times or something like that. With wow. the, all the interviews all told, it, I sometimes forget what I'm going to do, and I have someone <laughs> yeah, like, Bobby. I'm like, shit, do I say this? Do I say that? And then I get it every time, but I still have this moment. <laughs> Hello, and what's going on? Yeah, hey. <laughs> um, I got this moment of like dementia for <laughs> like a five second Ooh. dementia. Um, we'll have to wait for the outtakes one of these days. A special edition DVD. Yeah, though I will say I don't think we've ever restarted a show before. I don't think so. No, we've broken the internet a few times. Yeah, we've broken the internet a few times. We've had to restart a section. A section of the show, but I don't think we've ever redone the very beginning of the show ever, so that is that. that. I've had to do it on other shows. I think we did a family remix a couple of times. We've almost lost a couple of interviews. We have. That that Joe Keating one was the big one, where the internet crapped out and the the power spiked, and I thought (laughs) all was lost, but uh, we got it back. Um, Thank you guys uh, uh, for listening and tuning in once again. Uh, This week starts our end-of-the-year award deliberation. Um, this week is going to be more like a regular show, though. We have a um, we have the first half of the show is going to be uh, books of the week and news, and then the second half we'll start going into our topics uh, for end of the year. Uh, we'll do a couple this week, um, and then we'll have a couple next week. The week after that, and then the week after New Year's, we'll do our end of the year awards show. Um, this way, we're going to spend the next probably six hours recording podcasts yes. here um drinking heavily i brought whiskey so if you see us if, you, if we sound like we're getting drunker or more tired that is why um but that way it allows us to get you guys shows for the next two weeks and that way we don't have to record on the holidays because they're both the the day of recording yeah. will be eves of holidays which we don't really want to uh be recording yeah, on. we like each other a lot but there are limits yeah there are definitely <laughs> limits i'll um, be alone <laughs> Um, uh, me too, though, Steph. We can be alone together through the internet or something. <laughs> Yay! Yeah, here we go. Um, and alcohol. Steve won't even be in right. the country for one right. of those shows. No, I won't be yeah, in the country. Yeah, yeah. You're going to be in Narnia? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm leaving for Narnia on the 29th and coming back the 5th. Yeah. Celebrating. You come visit me. I'll have a couch by then. <laughs> celebrating a lot of things. I'm celebrating uh, my year anniversary with my girlfriend, New Year's. 
Christmas and my birthday. Wow. All in one That's visit. A big, big trip. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. I have a fireplace. Come <laughs> over. Oh, you can roast Come warm yourself by the fire. <laughs> yes. I'm closer to you now. My house is so echoey. <laughs> doesn't sound echoey over here. Don't worry about it. I can hear myself in my bedroom. I want to serve you vegetables <laughs> on my island. <laughs> I do. I'll make you breakfast. You missed that. I, I have a waffle iron. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. See, yeah. there's a start. Yeah. For those yeah. of you who don't know out there, Stephanie is very influential on the topic of breakfast foods. It's true. I'm probably one of the most influential people on breakfast foods, according to Cloud. Yes. According Thank you. According to Cloud, which measures social networking prowess, Stephanie yeah. is one of the foremost influencers <laughs> of breakfast, breakfast foods. On bacon, comics, and I don't know. At one point in time, it was Celine Dion because I kept on tweeting like that she was secretly a robot. <laughs> It's I don't think show. it's so secret anymore. Yeah. What the? F- you just sent me a whole bunch of photos on my phone. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize They're for me, were... not for you. Yeah, but the last yeah. one that you sent me before this was this nasty, crazy-looking Sherlock Holmes. Oh, yeah. The I can't even describe it. It's yeah. like a carpet blanket thing. I'll send it, I'll send it back to you. <laughs> what? It's like something um, from the creeping you? terror. It's very strange, but let's not talk about pictures right now since we're no. recording a podcast. Um uh, so yeah, we are going to be doing this end of year awards, and so uh, we will be saying our happy holidays in in, in the in the next preceding episodes. But uh, yeah, this is the last time we're gonna be sitting down to record. Um, it's gonna be a nice two weeks off from doing this, but then we come back. Obviously, we'll be doing our end of the year awards. Um, a lot of you already sent in top five lists. Oh, nice to podcast at tongcombooks.com, and we're gonna put together an article with all of those, and we'll even read some of them out um, on the on the show as well and if you guys want to keep sending them go right ahead but i haven't given anyone any bad information i said that's where to send it <laughs> yeah no, no yeah. i don't know anything so. we've gotten a lot of them it's good, good. it's nice some people have been a little more evasive they, you know they, uh, <laughs> effusive with their wording they've they've given reasons some people just list them but either way send them you know the beauty of the internet is there's no uh there's no page count so we can put as many ah. as we want up for you guys and we want you guys is uh your guys to have your uh your opinions out there as well um uh, just so you, I want to let people know that we're not we're all recording tonight because so people know if news breaks and stuff in the next couple of weeks we're not going to be talking about it so we're not being just obtuse about it we just we just it didn't happen yet it's a cover up it's in the past no it's a cover up it's in the future or whatever so um, time exactly lots lots of time travel um, some news that isn't time travel uh, and I wasn't even really planning on doing too much news today but a couple really big things broke so we have to talk about them because we're a comic book podcast um, the first of which is a small thing. Uh, um, the team on Electra has changed. Uh, Zeb Wells was supposed to be the writer. It's now going to be a W. Hayden Blackman who has just left uh, Batwoman. Ooh. Mm. Uh, the, it's no, there's no big thing behind it. Zeb Wells got a cartoon pilot picked up, I think a, a cartoon network. So he's got to go work on that. So uh, he's going off to do that, and, and Blackman will be taking over on Electra. Seems a nice marriage of creator and property. Yeah. It's a good, good, good writer. So uh, I just wanted to everybody know about that because it was kind of it was very little news when it when it came out. It was, it was kind of under the radar. Uh, something that was not under the radar, <laughs> however, uh, it was a funny way I found out about this news too, which was I was on Twitter, I was scrolling through, and all of a sudden I see you know butt stuff werewolf who is <laughs> at Matt Fraction on Twitter go Charles Soul is doing what? It was a big question <laughs> mark. Uh, so if you guys didn't hear the news the other night, it broke that. Uh, Matt Fraction is no longer writing in Human. It has been resolicited. Uh, order has been canceled and resolicited. And Charles Soule is now writing, uh, writing in Human. Joe Maguire is still the artist on the book, and it seems to be still taking the same direction. Um, so uh, this is his quotes from uh, Charles Soule. He said, "Years ago, 
Younger Charles made up a list of Marvel characters that would be a blast somebody to write. My Marvel Dream Team, basically. And the Inhumans were on that list. So getting an opportunity to work with those awesome, strange, classic characters, as well as to expand the existing mythology into cool new places, is pretty extraordinary. Um, so we now it's April 2014 now is when um, Inhuman will be debuting. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bob, as a big fan of Inhumans, as a big fan of Matt Fraction, what did you feel when you heard this news? Well, then why isn't Matt doing Fantastic Four? <laughs> well, that's what I thought first. But then making sense of the whole thing, look, Charles Soule, from what I've read, is a very good writer. He'll be fine on this property. There were rumors flying all over the place from certain other websites, who I won't mention by name or even initial, <laughs> where it was there was a big thing with Marvel, and uh, Matt wouldn't play ball with them, and he's too independent. And... No, it just seemed like they parted ways and just decided to do, go somewhere else with this book and not a real problem, not a whole sturm and drong about the whole thing. I wanted to read a Matt Fraction in Human based on Inhumanity, mm-hmm. which until the last page I was really, really <laughs> digging and <laughs> issue two could fix that. Mm-hmm. Wanted to see where that was going. Charles Soule is a really good pick mm. to move this story through. I want to see more Matt at Marvel. Mm. This may give him more time to do Hawkeye. Yeah, maybe. Steve, what, what did you think when you heard this? Um... I can't help but be curious about what transpired and mm-hmm. what happened. I didn't read any of the rumors, so I don't know. But it just seems odd that, I mean, this this has been, we've been leading into this for quite a couple of months and event mm-hmm. after event that's been leading to this moment to Matt Fractions and Human uh, for a while now. And then to have it be pushed and then pushed again and now change creators, um, it's, I, like I said, I can't help but wonder. But anyway, besides that. Uh, Charles Soule is a wonderful writer. He's he's one of my favorite from the year, and he, I think, will do a very good job. I like the idea that he already has uh, a passion for the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely surprised. Um, I'm a little let down, not because it's Charles Soule. I think he'll do a great job, but I was really looking forward to a Matt Fraction book, and I just... Was it maybe he handed in scripts and it was a little too weird? Mm-hmm. Was it was it not the direction they wanted to go with the characters? But I mean, he'd been spending I would imagine the better part of like half a year at least crafting the stuff to have that you know yeah. kind of thrown out the window, whether by choice or otherwise. Um, it's like a it's like a, your one of your favorite movies or a movie you're really anticipating is coming out and all of a sudden production is stalled and then the director changes. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you really wanted to see that person's vision of that property. And the other person's still still very good, but it just it changes that like the the tone of it. I think it's gonna it's gonna be different now. Yeah. I mean obviously it's gonna be different, yeah. but um I just wonder what was up with it to begin with that it caused a, a rift. But mm-hmm. they they have stated that he's happily working with Marvel yeah. on other properties, that there's yeah. no bad blood and Charles and Matt at least publicly seem to get along really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like took the wind out of my sails definitely when I read it. I mean, I love Charles Soule and, and as we get into these end of year award stuff, you're going to hear his name a lot, I think, when, when we're talking about uh, these books. But uh, I was really looking forward to what yeah. Matt Fraction mm-hmm. was going to do with those characters and you know, Charles Soule and Matt Fraction are very, very different writers so it's going to be obviously a very different book. So I'm not, I'm still excited about it, I'm still going to read it, but um, tempered? It, it tempered. Yeah, it tempered. Yeah. Uh, because to me right now, Matt Fraction is 
you know, he's a superstar writer. He, he, uh, Charles Soule mm-hmm. is a very good writer, and he's rising, and he could end up being that guy as well. But to me, Matt Fraction, the work he's done the last two years or so, has become one of the top guys. Where his name's on anything, I'm instantly more interested in reading it because his name is on it. Uh, so putting someone like Charles Soule in there is a very good replacement, and I'm, I think he'll do a very good job. Uh, but I it just, like I said, tempered excitement. You know, I, I want to be... The, 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 it seems like there's creative differences. We've heard the, the kind of corporate like PR line is there was creative difference between the two of them, and they couldn't resolve them, so they went off the book. And I'm sure it happens all the time. Um, this is another example of of, uh, of the messiness that can that we've seen a lot on the other side n- n- being yep. less messy here as far as the PR side of it. I have no idea what the conversation between those two people are were actually like. Screaming, They're yelling. Screaming, yep. yelling, crazy, ugly, ugly stuff. Um, like I said, it seems like Matt is still doing work at Marvel. Obviously, he's still got Hawkeye. It seems like that's his only book now. It's down to just Hawkeye now. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen with that. If he's going to have a new project, that might, that might come, ab- come about. If he really is, he's got a lot of indie work that he's doing now as well. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe he wants to focus more uh, on that stuff. Um, so who knows what happened behind the scenes? And I'm sure stuff like that will come out a- a- as we go along. Uh, I, I think I put out on Twitter that it happened, and actually Andrew Foley, who was one of the first guests we ever had yeah. here, said, "Who would ever have thought that Matt Fraction would have left before Matt Juera? That's funny. Uh, That's very funny. Be, you know, because, he's how I found out. Yeah, that oh, yeah. tweet. Yeah. yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. what is this? Um, look, I, I'm excited to see what Charles still does does with it. He's writing a lot of books now, so that also worries me a little bit. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of books. I think it's. It's something like this, like the seventh book monthly series he's yeah. writing, or something like that. Is he I the wouldn't only be... person working at both companies? Um, I don't think he's the only person, but he's, he's of a few. He's got a lot of books at both companies. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah, know, I mean, he's, he's at Oni. He's he's at a bunch of places. Yeah, he has a lot. Oh, of Oh, that's stuff right. Like, yeah, letter forty four. Letter forty four. Yeah. So, who, who knows what's going to happen with with that series? You know, I would like to know what happened behind the scenes. I like. If Fraction keeps writing there and keeps doing his work there, obviously it wasn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Look, sometimes people just disagree and they have to move on. Um, but it feels like a lot to me, like when uh, or Darren Ofnowski was originally supposed to direct The Wolverine, and then mm-hmm. he, then he Ooh, left yeah. for a while, and then and James Mangold started. And James Mangold is a very good director, but it's not Darren Ofnowski, right? It's not this earth-shattering choice for a director. And, and so I feel a lot like I felt like that. I mean, if I enjoy Inhuman mm-hmm. as much as I enjoy the Wolverine, it'll be fine for me. But I just, <laughs> I, 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 I have that same feeling. Well, um, there are rumors about the movie universe and its mm. connection to all this. Yeah. That Marvel wants to in-house create their own mutants since yeah. they can't use the mutants mm. that Fox has. Right. right. So if we make the Inhumans into a new mutant franchise, yeah, they can do their own X-Men by doing mm. the Inhumans. Yeah. And that Matt somehow didn't want in on that or maybe he's just a little bit you know he wanted to do his thing and maybe they didn't want his thing yeah, that's probably I think what that's happened more it that's probably what else. happened yeah. i mean stephanie what do you think about this oh i thought we forgot me no i didn't no. forget you of course not um yeah no i don't know for me you guys like seem really like upset that it's not him and i mean i'm kind of bummed too you know for the actual series itself not this bullshit whatever there you go other titles that are tying in the inhuman stuff coming up. Right. And like, it sucks, but at the same time, Matt Fraction's not going anywhere and he's going to be on a ton of other books that we all love. He's probably going to do some more creator own stuff. And like, you have to remember that writing takes a long time and he has a family and you know, he was putting out a lot of stuff and he did cut back, but that's probably because I mean, Maybe, probably, I don't know. Like, this is just speculation on my part, but it burns you out. And maybe he just needs a step back to only do a couple books at a time and to put, you know, like, 
do quality over quantity. Mm -hmm. If he was like, if it was his decision and he just was like, you know, I'm really into this book. I've put lots of work into it, but realistically, I'm only going to be able to do this for like one or two issues before I burn out because I've got so many projects on. Like, good for him for taking a step back and not letting it, you know, fall to shit. Mm-hmm. Great point. Yeah. Um, like, he, a lot of these creators, like a lot of young creators, they don't have families and they don't have, they, I mean, a lot of them do, but a lot of them also, you know, have time to put out a zillion books because it's just them. Mm-hmm. He has two kids and a wife that he has to, you know, spend time with too. He can't be in a studio for 12 hours, come home, sleep, go back to the studio. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's obviously, again, complete just speculation on my part, but I think maybe it's for the best. And maybe it will be. I, I, but I think a lot of what people are having a disconnect with as far as reading the news is that just a few months ago we were told he can't write Fantastic Four and FF anymore for just that reason, right? That he, he was writing Inhuman, so he needed to take a step back from those books, and that's why he was off those books. And now to be off Inhuman as well, it, it seems like that it's not this, it just seems like, again, this is speculation from my part too, that that's not the reason why, you know, that he's leaving that book, that there was something else about him leaving that book. Well, you have to understand that. too that between doing stuff with Image, which he obviously is, it's got to be a lot different to come from working on your own book to being like, it's like living on your own for, you know, a couple of years and then having to move back in with your parents. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You I mean, know, it's a there's a comparison. lot of rules. There's a lot of deadlines. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's another thing too. Like he's just like, you know what? Like I really dig doing creator own stuff. I want to back away from doing stuff with mm-hmm. the big publishers. Yeah, which is abs- yeah. absolutely like that. I, I think that's probably you're probably hit the nail on the head right there. That's probably more of the reason why that this happened, um, because he has so much freedom with the other stuff, and here he's hitting up against that wall again. And it, and this especially because this I think is much more. I think with Hawkeye he kind of gets to do whatever he wants to do, right? Because it's it's a solo book. It doesn't it doesn't really affect the rest of the Marvel like, universe. Tied into those events. And sure. this was going to be one of the it's going to shape the Marvel universe for many years to come books. And I'm sure there was a lot of rules involved. A lot of pressure too. And what he could yep. do. I think he's fine with the pressure. I mean, he wrote Iron Man for five years. He wrote Thor. You know, he wrote you know. So I think he's fine with the pressure. I just think it's. Uh, but he wanted to do his Matt Fraction stuff, which the stuff that makes his book special and great. And maybe he wasn't allowed to do that stuff on this book. And that's why he, he walked away from it. You know, I think it happens too when you look at guys like, you know, we talked about, you know, Kieran Gillen, right? He mm-hmm. kind of did Journey to Mystery and it was awesome and he got to do whatever he wanted to do and Young Avengers, the same thing. And Iron Man was a little bit more sedate and kind of yeah. normal. And it, was, it wasn't as good. Restrained. Restrained, you know? And it's yeah. like, it reminds me a lot of what um, uh, Dan Harmon said the first time, before he got fired from Punity the first time, was, <laughs> you know, he talked about the show and how the show was sometimes... G- blisteringly geniusly hilarious and sometimes it's those jokes they try to do that are off the wall and crazy don't land and he said look we always have to try to be the smartest best show Mm -hmm. because we don't do mediocre well our mediocre is horrible so we can't do that anymore and I think that that's kind of what it is with guys like Matt Fraction and these guys who have this bizarre sense of humor and this very independent spirit when they're forced to constrain, constrain themselves too much it loses what makes their books special you have to dare to be great yeah and if put in a box yeah. not gonna happen yeah. and sometimes look sometimes much. Uh, uh, this goes for Marvel and DC sometimes as much as I, I love those books those places are not the places to do that because they don't want you messing with those those characters in that way right. gotta sell underoos exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> I think that's the best way to leave it yeah. <laughs> gotta sell underoos um, 
So uh, we also got some sales numbers, ah. which we want to talk about here. Uh, Batman is back at, at the top with number one, uh, the number one book, issue 25, sold 125,000 copies. You're going to love this number two, Steve. Number two, Harley Quinn, number zero at 114,000 copies. <laughs> Uh, number three was Amazing X Men number one at 112,000 copies. Ooh. Uh, number four, Superman Unchained uh, was the number four, the fourth issue as well. I have a I have a quick question. 10,000. Yeah, it went up 18. Yeah. percent Was there some reason it went up 18? No idea why. <laughs> no idea why. Huge jump. Yeah. Uh, Forever Evil number three, 105,000. Infinity number six, 100,000. Uh, All New X Men number 18, 82,000. Superior Spider-Man, number 22, 81,000. Batman Superman, number 5, 77,000. And Superior Spider-Man, number 21, at 74,000. Walking Dead had two issues this month. So it was 13 and 14, respectively, um, at 69,000, basically for each issue. Um, Big debut for Unity, number 1, from Valiant, at 60,000 copies. Now, the book was fully returnable. So that might be the reason why they sold 60,000 to retailers. Who knows how many Hmm. they've sold in actuality. We'll probably see more here with issue number two that just came out uh, this past week. But that's still – that gets a lot of eyes on on Valiant's name uh, for that. Um, You know, Saga, number 16 at 54,000. The Star Wars still doing very well at 50,000. Uh, were there any ones you want to point out, Bob? Uh, X-Men number seven, the Brian Woman took a huge dump. Mm. <laughs> went down, no, went at about 20%, which is weird. It was a pretty good issue. Yeah, yeah. You know, I had some issues with mm. the issue, but yeah. it's not that it was garbage. And yeah. that just seemed very random. Yeah. Well, for me, like speaking on that, I lost interest after issue four where Brian would started including cat fights between the girls. Mm. Okay. It's like... I wanted this to be not this, mm-hmm. and I haven't picked it up since. Oh, wow. Interesting. Okay, there you mm. go. Mm. That could certainly be. Yeah, absolutely. That's very interesting. Uh, um, Wolverine the X-Men went down 31% hmm. as we come down. That's coming down the end of that, right? Yeah, 42. So maybe yeah. people are bailing. It was also, I, mean, I would like to see it the month before that's numbers, though, because it was, a it was part of the Battle of the Atom. Okay. So it yeah. probably spiked count. during Battle of the Atom. Because everybody's because I picked it up and I I don't pick it up usually. Yeah, I mean that series was never that series never had huge numbers, and I'm sure with Amazing X Men people jumping onto that and being excited about Nightcrawler, that maybe yeah. some people figured it was time to jump ship. Not to mention also that like this new arc of Wolverine and the X Men, I'm I'm having fun with it, but it's not. It feels like it wrapped itself up two issues ago. And that this this latest arc is just kind of there. That's oh, the coda. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. It's weird. Okay. Like I, f- I felt like the finale already happened, and this is like a four issue epilogue. It's mm. uh, just me. I don't. Yeah. Know. No, that makes a lot Still of sense. Still love it though. Still uh, love it. Afterlife with Archie came in at number one sixteen, went down fifty nine percent. Yeah. I mean, issue one happen. to two, all the hype. Yeah. I'd love to see what the trade numbers of that. I bet you that's through the roof. Yeah, the trade would probably be very, very good. Uh, my favorite number on the list, though. At, Tracking in at number 229 is the movement number six. <laughs> at 7,900 copies. It's still down 12%. Uh, Kudos to DC for hanging in with a book that merits being published. Yeah. yeah for whatever reason, they're keeping yeah. it going. They want to keep Gail on board or whatever. That's, that's pretty special that that book is still chugging along over there. I'm loving it. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. There's a there's a. Of course, that's my biggest selling book that I'm collecting. <laughs> so. There's supposed to be a crossover, right, Bob? Yes, with Batgirl. Yeah. Two issue back and forth. Oh, really? If, if they get to that, oh, that'd be so. It's cool. movement nine and ten, or ten and eleven. Mm. 
That's for March and. Well, I've seen solicits for nine, so. Yeah. I mean, just because I saw a solicit, <laughs> solicit doesn't necessarily yeah. mean it's we, gonna. We've known that that's not the case at all, but yeah. Um, the everything six point six two million copies were sold as far as units of individual uh, issues go, uh, which is down eleven percent from a year ago. Um, but for the uh, for the year, um, unit sales are up almost eight percent. So mm-hmm. it's a good year to year gain for them. Uh, dollar share, it's at twenty four point six nine million for the month. That's uh, down six percent from a year ago. But everything is up about twelve eleven percent. Interesting. Both Marvel and DC fell below thirty. Yeah, but, yeah, that's gains true. Yeah. On, gains for all the indies. Yeah, market share, uh, Marvel and DC both fell. Yeah, that's true. Um, it was interesting. Yeah, it was very interesting. The other thing that's interesting about it is just that uh, it's funny because you would assume that Image would be the one who would gain, but Image also did not gain any ground. No. It was the other. It was the smaller companies that that gained ground. Yeah. Dark Horse, IDW, and Valiant huh. all, all all grabbed market share. I mean, IDW is up to nearly seven percent, which yeah. is stunning. It's interesting. Did we know. I'll, sorry, go ahead, Stephanie. Oh. Speaking of like the smaller uh, companies, do we know how like Boom and Arkea have sort of Boom been doing a, like they because they uh, merged. joined merged. together, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, they, they count them as one number now. Yeah, they I do. Guess Boom's at one point nine. Yeah, and Dynamite at three point two. They're at the uh, sixth and seventh position. I, and I mean, I definitely, I think that brings them up because I think they were that both companies were under a percent yep. of the market share before they merged. So that definitely helps them. You know, I think that helps both brands very, very much. And I think it fills out mean, both brands very well. Boom has all the Adventure Time stuff and yeah. all of the regular show stuff, which does very, very well with kids and non-comic book readers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely it does. Um, yeah, I think, look, I think that Marvel and DC being down, obviously you, you don't want the Giants to be down too far because that holds up the industry. But the fact that the gap closes a little bit and, and you have these other companies gaining ground is only a good thing for the industry. It speaks to a broadening of the marketplace. It absolutely does. Perhaps finally. Yeah. I think, look, I mean, it, it's, it takes constant vigilance and work, but I think finally things are beginning to change a little bit and, and the medium is starting to open up a little bit more. And I think finally, I think after years and years and years, I think the constant exposure uh, of the films is starting to open up uh, you know, uh, the, the market a, a little bit and it having me drawing people towards it. And I think also what happens, it's, a, it's everything goes in cycles, but I think that you're, you're getting a generation of people now who are now kids who now have grown up with people who, with comic books as a, per, a pervasive part of the culture um, as much as it's been in 15, 20, mm-hmm. 30 years. So I think that people are starting to gravitate more towards the, those books. And there are more stores too that seem to be trying. Mm-hmm. To broaden their own horizons, that mm. it isn't just capes and cows, which has been for way too many years. Yeah, there's so many great stories that we all hear about from our own listeners or in our own experience that now say, "No, we want kids in here. We want women in here. We we try other things here. Here's a display of nothing but trade paperbacks from Image. Mm-hmm. Try these out, or here are these dollar issues in a huge display. Yeah, yeah, it's the way you change the market. And you can't. I mean, these sales numbers obviously don't bear that out because they don't track this but i don't think you can underestimate the power of the digital market and the fact that people can now read these books without having to worry about going to a store they can at least try they can at least mm. try them out on their devices without having to walk into a store maybe they read a couple and like you know what i want to start going in the store and see what what's there in the backlog and something like that but at least they have a way to get in you know i i forgot someone an artist i think posted a thing where one of his he said one of his friends went into a comic book shop looking for books that he had drawn um, you know that this guy had drawn, and and the friend got ridiculed by the comic book shop because he didn't know what variants were. Oh. 
So that's the kind of stuff that you know that ruins an industry. The the, the yeah. horrible retail practices are, are a big problem, obviously. Yeah. But it's, it shouldn't all be the Simpsons comic book guy. Yeah, <laughs> and like for the digital too, there's so many good incentives with like Comicsology. They offer free comics and comics that are on sale. And right now, up until December 20th, Comicsology is doing 12 days of Christmas. Yeah, wow. free comic like, every day. Yeah. The first day was like Batman. Mm-hmm. The second day was Lazarus. Mm-hmm. Third day was Red Sonia, Judge Dredd, Revival, My Little Pony. Bunker, yeah. Hawkeye, and today, aka yesterday, when you listen to this <laughs> time travel, it's like Quantum and Woody. Yeah. It's wow, what awesome. a great lineup. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, they're not just cheap comics that they want to get rid of. Mm-hmm. Comicsology is always putting out sales mm-hmm. and other really cool free things for people to get to encourage people to try digital comics. Mm-hmm. Do it if you have the means to try it. Like, yeah. I mean, it's good too. The, the, I can't say enough for somebody who doesn't read comic books. The guided view technology they have is is a is a lifesaver. For, I know people who don't who didn't read comics, and until they got that view and let it, it let them go panel by panel and showed them the order to read it, uh, you know, mm. they were intimidated by it. So it's it's a it's a big a big big thing. And I think people who are mm. in the in the in the world deep in the world they don't see the barrier to entry as much anymore. You know, you open a comic book, you're not like. You, you don't think like, oh, this is tough to read. You know, you, you just know how to do it. You intrinsically know how to do it. It's like a gamer, right? You, yeah. you play games all the time. You think, why, is, why would somebody be afraid to pick up a controller? It's so easy. You know, it's just this, that. But you give a controller to somebody who doesn't play video games? Uh, me. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's like the, the apes at the beginning of 2001. They're, you know, <laughs> sort of riot and they're, you know, beating each other with sticks. So it's, it, you, you have to be aware that people, you have to be, let, be an open industry and let people in. And I think that, all of these things are shifting the market in a, in a lot of uh, valuable, valuable ways, and I hope that it it continues that way. Um, yeah, it's been nice. It's it's, it's really, really, really cool. Um, all right, so sales numbers, good stuff. Uh, I thought Steve was ready with something. Uh, yeah, he, you you took the intake breath. No, I <laughs> thought he was going to yawn. Is he yawning? Were you? No, yawning? I'm not yawning. Uh, no, I totally. Bored? When you brought up the the thing about the variants, I actually had that same experience mm. uh, out in Smithtown, and I was in the shop by myself, and it was when we first started this. Mm-hmm. And I asked, I said, I was like, you know, what's the deal with variant covers? And the guy just looked at me like with stunned silence, and I was like kind of doing one of those like leaning like and yeah and he just goes they're it's the same thing he's like it's just a different cover and i'm like all right (laughs) you know like i just wanted to know like were they special yeah like well yeah because they're they're different that's what i know what a variant (laughs) is ass i was just wondering if there was like more to it because Mm -hmm. you know i'm not familiar with the the territory man um just super quickly going back to the whole wait, day were you finished? I thought you were finished, but I'm not now I am. Oh, <laughs> no, I'm I just, good. I just pulled up uh, Comixology quickly and their top 10. This will make you happy. Their number one, Bob mm. Red Sonia. <gasps> Ooh, lovely. Yeah. It's the it because they have an exclusive digital edition, but they're oh, really don't awesome. tell me that. <laughs> it's just it has all the covers and stuff included in it. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, See, yeah. I'm waiting for the trade on it because I yeah. want all those variants because I don't want to buy variants. I'll buy a trade with all the variants in right. it. But it's really interesting to see the difference in what sells digitally versus what sells yeah. physical copies. Yeah. What's the rest of the list? Do you have it? Um, a lot of them, I think, are the free stuff. Yeah, I'll, I'll oh, okay. yeah. But they've got like Red Sonia. Number two is Judge Dredd. Uh, three is The Bunker, Revival, Hawkeye, My Little Pony, and then The Walking Dead 118, mm. Lazarus, Batman 26. 
and Justice League number 25. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That yeah. rounds out their top 10. Yeah, the, the, and the cool thing about you know their tracking is that it changes every day you know, it, yeah. or, or multiple times a day because it's constantly tracking what people are buying. And you know the cool thing too is that you get those free books and, and yeah, maybe... 95% of people only read the free book, but maybe somebody likes the free book so much that they, they then they buy sure. the next one, the next one. And we were doing this catch-up stuff at the award show, which we're going to get to soon. I wanted to catch up at Red Sonia. I only had the first issue, and I, I was it was like the middle, it was like Sunday night. You know, mm-hmm. I wanted to, I was like, if I, I'm not going to go out and get them tomorrow. Like, uh, I'd be lucky if I could find them digging through. I went to Comixology, and the book that's normally $4 was $2, and I bought all the issues for $2 each. And, and read them all in bed, you know, on my iPad. So it, it, it's, I, I would be, I'd be curious to see when they start bringing in numbers from those things as well to see how it changes and the scope mm-hmm. of um, the, the sales numbers. Because I, I really would like to know how many people are buying digitally and if those in, significantly increase the numbers of books sold. Um, so we'll have to see about that. Um, really quick, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, it was announced that uh, David Goyers were in a treatment and that Joseph Gordon-Levitt will possibly it will produce and possibly star and direct in a Sandman film based on Ooh. the first uh, uh, the first trade the first story arc of Sandman Preludes and Nocturnes. Um, Bob, what do you think about this? Well, as long as Michael Fassbender can't be in it, who better <laughs> than Joseph Gordon-Levitt? I mean, it's just perfect. Maybe they can be in it together. I look, he is certainly a great actor. His work is obviously top-notch can this work absolutely he must be a fan to have decided to option this or produce this as well mm-hmm. that's who you want doing a comic book project someone who has a passion for the thing whether it's kenneth branagh with thor mm-hmm. who went into marvel and went oh i remember this jack kirby issue yeah. and so on that's who you want someone mm-hmm. who'll respect the property i'm all for this yeah absolutely steve what about you <laughs> I'm all for it. I can't wait to see him with like Robert Smith hair. Yeah. <laughs> Just like uh um I don't know anything about his uh, directing skills though has he done what has he done he just yeah, he did, did a, sorry Stephen go ahead oh he just did Don Juan right yeah Don or John the, oh, okay. Don John yeah. sorry yeah was it good uh, I haven't seen it it got good reviews though him and Scarlett Johansson all right yeah. I just like when I when I think Sandman, I, I think you know Guillermo del Toro and mm. all those oh, that'd be you know Pan's Labyrinth kind of uh, guys. But I mean, who knows? Maybe if he gets a good team together. I mean, I love him as an actor. He's one of my favorites, hands down. Uh, I can definitely picture him in the role. Yeah. I mean, if you're gonna pick a few people, he probably would have made it to the short list of, yeah. of who would do justice to that character. Mm. Uh, what a crazy property to scoop up, though. And this was his doing that he pretty much went after it yeah so i i'm excited if he's passionate about it and wants to make a really awesome sandman movie and uh apparently he's trying to get neil gaiman involved in <gasps> some uh, neil degree is producing it at least yeah. so if it's I mean, more than that it'd be great but i yeah i mean so long as he's got his finger yeah. in it, i would you know that Maybe gives me neil gaiman should focus on writing overture <laughs> yeah the, the coming out right now. <laughs> true very Same. true <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm excited for it. I I like I like the property. I love the actor. So mm. sure, why not? Yeah, uh, Stephanie, what about you? I think it's it's pretty exciting. I know uh, a few of us mentioned that we haven't read it all, so I can only be, you know, semi excited for it. Um, but the idea of the comic and knowing how, like, what a staple it is in our industry, and to the people who love it, it's like the Bible. Mm-hmm. Um. So I think if anyone was going to do it justice, you know, it would be a fan. And I, 
from what I remember, because I don't know, I followed like the hit record stuff that uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt has and mm-hmm. um, like his Twitter and stuff for a while. And I feel like he's a big comic book fan. So, yeah. you know, like this just seems like a great project for him. And um, it's funny because I think I hate movie and book adaptations for the most part. Comic books are usually pretty good, but like mm. book adaptations, I have a point to this, I promise. But like, um, <laughs> you know, they're always just like so god awful. Like I can't even bring myself to watch The Time Traveler's Wife. Like anytime I see the DVD somewhere, I want to throw it across a room. <laughs> but like, there's two adaptations that I think are just as good and if not better than the original. And I love the originals with that being said. And those are both Neil Gaiman things like Stardust and um, Coraline. Okay. They're just as good as the source material. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if this was going to be done properly, you know, Joseph Gordon-Levitt and Neil Gaiman being at least partially on board, I have complete faith in it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm just going to love it. It's one of my favorite uh, actors. I agree with Steve uh, on that sentiment. Absolutely. Um, I am excited about it, definitely. Him directing it, I think it's one of those times where you can have somebody who isn't known for that or is just getting into it really break out with a, with a certain mm-hmm. a certain movie or a certain title. I think also it allows him to be in a big-time comic book property, which everyone has been clamoring for. I mean, he was in Dark Knight Rises, but to have his own leading role in one of those movies Mm -hmm. but it also allows him to do still kind of a independent slightly skewed out there type of project which is not a straight ahead capes and tights kind of film he tweeted a picture of himself with like crazy hair and stuff after the announcement came out so people could see what he looked like um yeah if you're following him on twitter he he, he's been talking about it a bunch does he look like jareth from uh the labyrinth (laughs) No, not quite, but... Sarah. <laughs> I feel like uh, this would be... I mean, we were talking about Darren Aronofsky yeah. earlier, and I feel like this is a Darren Aronofsky movie. Like, it yeah. has that sort of the fountain kind of vibe to it. Yeah. If any of you have seen that. But, yes. like, I could see him... I know, obviously, he's not, and mm-hmm. Joseph Gordon-Levitt's on board, but that would be a cool project for him to have worked on. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's right in his kind of visual wheelhouse. Yeah. That story, absolutely. Yeah, it's exciting. It's very exciting. And to have good people involved in projects you're excited, you, you love is, is always a good thing. So, so it does kill uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt as Doctor Strange. Which I really would have Probably, yes, it does. Probably. Probably, yes, it does. Again, this happens in movies all the time. This movie has been announced and that they're working on it. That doesn't mean that it's going to happen anytime soon. Or yeah. at all, because this happens all the time when they announce movies. So we'll see. But it's yeah, I'm still waiting for that Submariner movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We will absolutely see what happens. Um, in uh, not-so-nice news, we'll close the news with this. Uh, I don't know if anybody's been following this or not, but in the last couple of days, um, Shia LaBeouf, who made a short film that premiered at Cannes, uh, recently has come out that... It hasn't come out, but the, it's been revealed that the movie is basically a plagiarism of a comic book by, uh, sorry, uh, by Daniel Klaus, Klaus? Hmm. I can't, I don't know, it's C-L-O-W-E-S, um, and apparently he has been quoted before as being a fan of his work, but he is, he has, uh, you know, said that the movie came out organically at that. It's something close to the guy who created Ghost World, by the oh. way. Oh, uh, close to that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Um, the, the name of the book that apparently this is taken from is Justin M. Uh, Diamano, which is about a uh, 
is about an internet film critic, uh, and it's kind of looking into what criticism is and, and how it happens. And this is what the movie's about. Jim Gaffigan is in the short film that he made. And Shia LaBeouf took to, took to Twitter afterwards to kind of talk about what happened. Um, because people are saying, you know, copying isn't a creative work, blah, blah, and this is his response to it. Copying isn't a particularly creative work. Being inspired by someone else's idea to produce something new and different is creative work. In my excitement and naivete as an amateur filmmaker, I got lost in the creative process and neglected to follow proper accreditation. I'm embarrassed that I failed to credit Daniel Klaus for his original graphic novella, Justin M. Diamano, which served as my inspiration. I was truly moved by his piece of work, and I knew that it would make a poignant and relevant short. I apologize to all who assumed I wrote it. I deeply regret the manner in which these events have unfolded, and want Daniel Klaus to know that I have a great respect for his work. So, I, I was hesitant to talk about this at all, because the internet loves to rip Shia LaBeouf's throat out whenever they, they get the chance yeah. to. Um, and I understand why, but I don't want it to be that. I don't want it to be like, Shia LaBeouf made Transformers and it sucked, so he is the worst. No, 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 no. Yeah. <laughs> That's all I was thinking of. Yeah, so. The, no, 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 no. Those Indiana Jones. Wait, yeah, we can exactly. go there too. Or Indiana Jones. Two things that have no obviously bearing yeah. on, on this story. I mean, Bob, when you hear this, what, what does it come to mind to you? The unconscious plagiarism that they hit George Harrison with over My Sweet Lord, which is He's So Fine, mm. that he was just so inspired by something deep in his subconscious that it came out. Mm-hmm. And then once he, I'm sure, considering that, that did sound like a very sincere apology, mm-hmm. that when it was pointed out to him, it was, oh yeah, that I should have said something before, I should have done something, my bad. Mm-hmm. <sighs> He's yeah. an awfully high-profile guy to have just tried to figure he could get away with stealing something. Right. So I don't think it was conscious. It just sort of happened. It sort of does. Nothing's created in a vacuum. Yeah. Yeah. Came to him. I mean, there's this story right when uh, that J.K. Rowling got sued by someone who had come up with a, a very similar idea at the same time, like a half a world away when it, when it happened. But I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Things happen like that. I mean, I don't know. Stephanie, what do you think? Um, I mean, I feel like he's been in the comic book world. He had a comic book. Mm-hmm. And whether it was conscious or not, it, as long as he amends it, like if he releases it on DVD or as part of an anthology of shorts, as long as he switches it to have proper credit, mm-hmm. you know, at least he's not being all, no, this is mine. This is mine. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. Like yeah. he's acknowledging it and he's not trying to hide. He is actually fessing up to the whole thing. And as much as I think it's, you know, kind of ridiculous. It's still nice to have him, you know, give a sincere apology that someone probably wrote for him. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it didn't seem that canned. I mean, you can usually tell when that's the case. I mean, it just sounds a lot more coherent than I know him to be. As far as and that, I know him to that be that comic I mean, book you know, they wrote. Transformers. Yeah. And even Stevens. And even, even he's very good in even Stevens though. He is. That was. I was gonna say that when you were like, everyone always rags on him. Yeah. And I was gonna be like, well, he was very good in that. And also that movie Holes. He's very good in that movie as well. I like the book better. <laughs> okay, well, the, the, <laughs> that book and that movie are basically the same thing, though. Uh, nope, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I read the book. <laughs> Steve, go ahead. What do you think about this? My uh, <laughs> my friend Jesse had to kick him out of the the Echoplex in California for smoking blunts in the oh, really? VIP room. Really? <laughs> and he would nice. he wouldn't leave. <laughs> they had to ask him four times to, to go. They kicked him out. He tried to come back two weeks later, and he came back with the guy, uh, the dude from Sons of Anarchy. Anyway, uh, honestly, everything that Stephanie said, mm-hmm. um, the I saw I saw the story. I passed by it a couple of times and didn't really didn't click on it. Didn't mm-hmm. give it much thought. It seemed like one of those. 
internet's going to make a fuss mm-hmm. kind of things. But as far as, as what transpired, give credit where credit's due. Yeah. You know, he knew in the back of his mind whether you were, I mean, to me, if you're going to create something that's inspired by something, you probably should tell people that this is where you got your ideas and that if you're paying homage or you're, you're honoring something, then honor it properly and tell the people at the beginning of your short, this this work was inspired mm-hmm. by blah, blah, blah. It's not that hard. Whether permissions were an issue, I don't know. But um, it seems like something like him or the people working with him should have covered in in their execution of making this short film. Right. Uh, the fact that he's amending it, good on you. That's what you should do, but it you should have... You should have done it anyway. Yeah. So, you know, lesson learned kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I think stealing intellectual property is, is, a, is a pretty big sin as far as in any kind of creative work. And it, it's tough to defend uh, that action at all. The only thing I'll say is like what Bob had said. He's a pretty high profile guy. And I think the fact that he, there's no way he would have thought that he could got to get away with stealing something. Mm-hmm. I don't think that was his intent. When he started out, I don't think he said, "I'm going to steal this guy's work and not pay him for it and do what I'm going to do." I'm Shia LaBeouf. Exactly. <laughs> no, I think it's, there's just there was an aspect of making the film or the process that he just didn't take care of. Yeah, absolutely. It, I think it, yeah. I think it's absolutely what it is. Did it note at all whether he would give royalties to? Well, he, here's the thing. He didn't say. I don't think he's made any money on it because I think it's just a short they released at the festival. You know, I don't think it's been released for any money anywhere, as far as I know. Right. Well, now. I mean, as far as. I guess it wouldn't have been issued as to whether he has said he will provide. Yeah, he hasn't said anything yet. All all there is is this Twitter statement. I'm sure there will be much more as we go along here because, once again, the kind of the more high-profile Hollywood world, there is no shortage of lawyers and people. Yeah, everyone gets lawyered up. Yeah, exactly. I I think that the the fact that it – look, he got a claim off 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 of the film, and so the original writer deserves part of that acclaim if the claim is part of the story. If, if, and if that's what they're acclaiming, then yeah, they definitely needs to be there. I think the fact that it wasn't a big budget movie or a, a, a no budget movie, it wasn't a movie that was released in theaters that, that was has a gross, I think makes it a little bit easier to forgive or at least to allow him to make amends for because he wasn't taking money out of Daniel Klaus' pocket, mm-hmm. right? It's still, I think, a bad thing. And I think that it's... It's one of these things where, especially for him, he's such the the the, the target of ire from a whole community, uh, especially surrounding a, like a comic book, that it, it's just a bad move for someone <laughs> like him to, to take a chance at something like this. But we'll uh, we'll see what happens. I, I think, yeah, as long as he amends it, as long as the name gets put in the credits, and as long as he makes any money off of it, you know, he, the the writer gets a cut of that. I think everything will be just fine. I'm sure he maybe won't make... some sorry, people will punch him in the street again, like last <laughs> couple of years. <laughs> I don't want any physical harm to come to anyone else, Stephanie. The boof. I just said maybe. I didn't say I wished it on him. The boof. You know, you're saying that he's like the target of much, you know, anger in the community. And I can just be like, oh, you're such a dick. Somebody like punching him in the street again. You just have one of those faces. Stephanie just wants to Kirby him. That's what she wants to do. I don't. I am... A pacifist. I'm a nice person. I'm a pacifist. (laughs) I thought you were an enforcer on your hockey team. Yeah. You're bringing up contradictory things. <laughs> I don't think so. You're just a contradictory person, Stephanie. <sighs> I will murder you, I seem to remember being said on these airwaves. <laughs> I still have I blood on my jersey. This. Was I drunk? Was I not sober? Do I that need could to go be. To rehab? That could be. Not the rehab part. The other part could have been. 
play hockey again. Hmm. Hmm. All right. So that's the end of our news segment. Uh, let's move on to our book of the week segment. Bob, why don't you start us out? Okie dokie. I am going to do hit and run a whole bunch of things. Okay. Starting with last week's worst cover, <laughs> World's Finest 18, which is still a really terrible cover. Actually, the, the back cover and the front cover are about the same amount of cleavage. Yeah, they do. Uh, there's an arrow uh, back cover. They're both for me. Yeah. Um, wonderful story. The art is passable. The cover is from Hunger. <laughs> so that goes on the floor. Secondarily, I don't know if this count as a comic book. It's Star Trek Annual Strange New Worlds. It's a photo novel by John Byrne, which is a sequel to the second Star Trek pilot, where no man has gone before with Gary Lockwood, who would also have trouble in space in 2001. John Byrne, who grew up sort of when I did, it's a knockoff of something, the Star Trek photo novels from the late 70s, and one, I have issue number one here, <laughs> where it's a fumetti, where it's photos taken from all sorts of episodes with word balloons added. You can hear the voices of these characters. The dialogue is perfect. The settings are wonderful. If you're a fan, Excuse me. If you're a fan at all of Star Trek, you need to pick this up before these all disappear. <laughs> and thanks to IDW. I mean, it really looks gorgeous on top mm-hmm. of everything else. His selection of photos and usage of stuff from two seasons worth of episodes to create this thing is just the mark of fanaticism is all I'm going to say. <laughs> He's as big a Trekkie as I am. So anyway, <laughs> Star Trek Annual is just a whole lot of fun. Uh, Honey West and T.H.E. Cat from Moonstone, which is two 60s TV detectives mushed together by Trina Robbins and Sylvester Zilagi. Uh, am <laughs> yeah. I close, Steve? No, yeah, you got it. I think it's Zilagi, so we'll go with that. Uh, Honey West, who did a couple, you read the Kolchak one that was done a, l- yes. a little while back. Very early television's liberated woman character with her pet ocelot, Bruce. Gets hired to go to Las Vegas, so you get the whole Rat Pack vibe. And T.H.E. Cat, Theodore Hewitt Edward Cat, it's not just, you know, something. He was a former circus acrobat, jewel thief, now sleuth. Of course. Who owns a club. And there's stuff going on in Las Vegas. If you love the period, you'll love that. More period stuff. Rocketeer Spirit number four, just absolutely brilliant. Did you, anybody? No. Okay. I'm flying solo here. <laughs> It's perfect tie-up to this wonderful series. Mark Wade kills. <laughs> and Jay Bones art, with all these Rocketeer minis, what's really been perfect so far, Dave Stevens, who created this, is a singular artist in the history of comics. He's one of those, you look at a Dave Stevens' piece, it's him. You can't try to pretend to be Dave Stevens. They've hired all sorts of crazy people. In this case, it's Jay Bone, very Darwin Cook, comedic, and it works perfectly, just absolutely perfect. Lots of action, lots of humor. The spirit and Rocketeer both served very, very well. Wait for this on our best of list. You may hear that. <laughs> J-Bone. Is it uh, at the end of the, end of the, the series? At the end of, the, okay. end of this one. Hopefully, there'll be more. Cool. Comes to a real nice conclusion, though. Everybody has their moment. Cool. Very nice. It's all about TV <laughs> and very early TV and some wonderful moments for Franklin Delano Roosevelt. That's all I'm going to say. Of course. So there is one panel that they could have left out. Okay. It, it is now sort of well known that Franklin Roosevelt had polio mm-hmm. and was never filmed in his wheelchair or standing with braces or whatever. And there's a moment here where he, he's transported. Remember the Fly movie where we hear the bad guys have taken television to that extreme where you can now transport okay. matter. 
So Roosevelt gets transported to where the rocketeer is, and the rocketeer says, run, Mr. President, <laughs> and he falls flat in his face. It's a funny panel. Uh-huh. The panel that follows is, I'll need a little help here. You mm. could have just gone with that and not Roosevelt falling on his face. <laughs> That's just me. Maybe I'm protective of Franklin Roosevelt after <laughs> 70 years of his secret being out, but what the hell. Batgirl 26, which is the finale to Batgirl Wanted. Mm. It's Gail Simone. Daniel Sampier this time around. Yeah. As it's been... Uh, I like the other guy, whose name now... Fernando... Fernando. Oh, God, I can't remember his name. He's, he's on my list here, yeah. and I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> anyway, Passerine. Passerine, yeah. Passerine, who I've loved, but people have been iffy with. Daniel Sampier's art here is killer. I now see why people might want him <laughs> above this. Wonderful Alex Garner cover. This is just incredible. You tie together all the disparate elements from the split focus of where this has been with things in between Barbara and her dad is being, he's being held hostage by every bad guy she's faced through the entire run of this series up Mm -hmm. to now. Barbara takes care of business Mm -hmm. tremendously. And that's only the first half of the book. The second half, which is the personal interaction between the commissioner and Barbara and what's going on here. Apparently there's an homage to a Greg Rucka Legend of the Dark Knight. Oh, really? I've, I've been told where the, hmm. a similar scene that happens at the end happens here. There's some hardcore stuff here. We don't even know where this is going next mm. because the next two issues are more tie-ins. <laughs> Gothtopia. Yes, uh, head slap. Anyway, anyone who's been interested in this so far, two or three great twists here at the end. Barbara puts the cowl back on where she's been in sort of a hoodie for the last few issues. Mm. Wonderful personal stuff here. It's all just good. Mm-hmm. All just very, very good. I'm going to mention quickly Doc Savage number one mm-hmm. with the amazing Alex Ross cover. If I'm a fan of Doc Savage, have been for about 40 years. If you are, this is a wonderful recapitulation of all the things that made Doc Savage special. His group, his credos about doing the right thing all the time, nonviolence, wonderful science fiction storyline set in 33. He's actually lecturing Einstein. That's how smart Doc Savage is. <laughs> He is the man of bronze. He was around before Superman, and that's where they... His name is Clark, by the way. Oh, wow. And he has a Forces of Solitude in the Arctic. You think uh, Siegel and Schuster <laughs> borrowed anything from that? That's why he got brought up in the Captain Marvel lawsuit. When they sued Fawcett over Captain Marvel having a red suit and flying, mm-hmm. Fawcett went, well, wait a minute. It's, it's Popeye and Samson and Hercules and uh, Doc Savage, by the way. Do you ever read any of those? Yeah. Uh, all the stuff you <laughs> use is from here and didn't matter anyway. Chris Roberson really does a great job, as he did with Masks for mm-hmm. Dynamite, and Doc was a missing character in that one. Apparently, they're just waiting for here. Uh, Bilquis Everly is the artist here. Very period, perfect, and lovely colors. Uh, Danielle Milwa. <laughs> I'm really struggling today. Milwa. But anyway, Doc Savage is very good if you're a fan, and I have my official Doc Savage number one paperwork with the James Bama cover. <laughs> <laughs> Because I like props. <laughs> but anyway, now, say I got through all that so I could wax rhapsodic here. Right. Mighty Avengers number four. <laughs> I know people are saying, you didn't want to like this book. <laughs> the event tie-ins through Inhumanity, fun, but you could see that it was a split focus. What was really working was the personal stuff and not the big stuff. Here it's all just great personal stuff. It's still a tie-in. We have a, a very bad evil businessman course and his newly uh inhumanized partner who's going to go steal terrigen crystals from the fallen city of adelon which is still sitting in the harbor mm. 
which Shield is trying to look for, but something weird's going on there. Maria Hill is not very happy with <laughs> what's going on there. What the issue is really about is Luke Cage setting up his own Mighty Avengers team in his old headquarters from the, in the Gem Theater in Times Square, for those of us who are Luke Cage fans from back in the 70s. His old partner, D.W. Griffith, is back, oh, wow. who wants to know, since they're now spending all this money to fix it, it's by Adam Brashear, the Blue Marvel, his patent money is going to fix their theater. Can we show movies here again? <laughs> you get to see a very antsy Otto, who's still part of this, who wants control. And we get uh, Jessica and baby Danielle, who calls him Poopy Man instead of <laughs> Spider-Man. <laughs> when did he turn into such a jerk? And the baby's going, oh, Poopy Man. <laughs> Tons of just absolutely fun, wonderful stuff. Great stuff with the Falcon here, who at one point is saying, I know Lucas telling me well, we have this new Mighty Avengers. It's not like this Hero for Hires. It's all free. People make phone calls. Whoever we can help, we're going to help. And the Falcon says, well, I know someone who'd be really in on that. And Luke says, well, yeah, well, tell Cap he's welcome anytime." <laughs> and a couple of pages later, you know, Luke, my last name is not and the Falcon. <laughs> I could be here too. And, and Luke actually apologizes. This just, Al Ewing is doing just a great job with Luke Cage here. I'm sold on this book so much. And I was really not going to be happy with this. <laughs> and this is really very good. If it stays down this road, I am really happy. And I know everyone hates Greg Land. <laughs> It is not all Greg Land here. There is, there is a subtle change going on. And there's one thing that I really love seeing here after years and years and years of seeing heroes gnashing their teeth and beating each other up, smiles. Mm. I love seeing, you know, Luke Cage smile because he's holding his, his baby in his arms. Mm -hmm. the, mm -hmm. the Falcon's making a joke. He smiles. There's <laughs> smiles in this book. There's, there's teeth. There's teeth and there's funny stuff. And it's just... There is a link to who Spider Hero is. Yeah. If people are have watched movies, <laughs> and I'll just shut up from there on. Anyone read? No, I haven't reading it. I'm over. You are this over. Is great. Anyway, it's gonna get canceled. It's gonna get canceled. It's gonna get canceled. <laughs> well, actually, it went down about thirty percent between mm. the first and second issues. So Avengers may not save this. Maybe this should have been Heroes for Hire. Maybe. Mm. Uh, who knows? But anyway. Mighty Avengers 4, really good. Take a chance. I was wrong. <laughs> it's done. I'm, I'm wrong often, but not as wrong as I was with this one. That's it for me. Steve, what about you? <laughs> the end begins today. Mm -hmm. um, oh, my God. I read so much stuff over the course of the week, but I'll, uh, I'll narrow it down to just a couple of new books. Uh, I got to check out Inhumanity, The Awakening, uh, written by Matt Kent and art by Paul Davidson. And this is, of course, another tie-in to Inhumanity, uh, number one. I believe it's a two-parter. Yes? Awakening? I have no idea. Okay. Um, it's it's an interesting setup. It's, you know, this Inhumanity uh, thing has spread where all these people, the Terrigen Mists have turned, the Terrigen Bomb going off, have uh, basically cocooned a bunch of people um, on the planet, and they're being reborn as Inhumans. And... A lot of these Inhumans that are coming about into the world are kids. You know, they, they don't know what to do with their powers. It's kind of interesting, I think, that the whole Inhuman thing, it, it could be a, uh, if you want to look at it, kids that aren't, uh, like, aren't comfortable with their sexuality, uh, the bullying that goes on in schools these days, and, and things like that, that it's kind of a mirror for that in a way, especially for, for the younger generations. I mean, the adults turning is, is kind of a different story. 
But um, The Awakening deals with one uh, Inhuman in particular, where Pixie has, is apparently very active online, and she follows a lot of people on Twitter, and, or what's supposed to be Twitter, and like, Insta photo or Instagram. Mm. And she's been paying close attention to this one girl who was basically a big internet presence and then kind of receded into herself for a couple of days. And it turns out that she uh, comes back as an inhuman and at first is kind of afraid and then kind of starts to become optimistic and is jazzed about it, but then discovers that she might not be able to handle it. And Pixie is basically fearing for her life, this girl she doesn't know at all. And she grabs her friends from the Jean Grey school and is like, we have to go and check on this girl. And their argument is that there's things going on all over the world. We can't be worried about just one person. And she says, you know, we we have to be worried about one person because this one person could lead to many other people, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Um, love the idea of it. I'm not so sure about the execution. It relies heavily on tons and tons of panels of following this girl on her internet accounts. And so you get pages and pages of um, what's essentially like Instagram uh, instances and then uh, IM messages or at messages back and forth at the top of the page. There's a ton of stuff to read on the Instagram photos and all the comments below. Uh, several different perspectives and attitudes online and characters. And some of it's fun because it's stuff that you've seen online. Like, you know, that guy that likes to just give people a hard time. So he's in this book. And then the person that defends the Inhumans is also here. So you get a lot of interesting perspectives of the of the awakening of these Inhumans. But it's an extraordinarily daunting read to follow. Like I found myself reading the top of the pages and kind of skipping ahead and just reading those conversations and then going back and reading one character and then the other. And I mean, it took me like a good half hour to get through the issue. So mm-hmm. really cool setup. I like what Matt Kent was going for. I'm just, I'm not so sure that it was executed to, to my liking anyway. Some people might have really enjoyed it. I, f- I found it to be very daunting after a while. Um, but if you're interested in, you know, seeing a, one of the, or possibly two of the new Inhumans, uh, you can check that out. Are you going to talk about this? Well, no, I was, uh, yeah, was going to talk about it if you didn't talk about it. All right, it. well, I'll, I'll, move, I'll move ahead. We'll both talk about it later. Yeah. Um, I got to check up with uh, Letter 44 by Charles Soule. And uh, art by Alberto Albuquerque. And this series is just getting cooler and cooler. I was really hoping after the first issue that this would continue uh, to be good. It's very character-based, like heavily, heavily character-based. And I, I'm really liking that aspect of the book. It's not going all big alien just yet. And my favorite aspect of it is that it poses a lot of questions as to what would happen in the real world if something like this ever transpired, if one day we were doing like a scan of the cosmos and discovered that there was some kind of an uh, establishment or or satellite-looking base up in the air that wasn't ours, what's it doing there? Are they friendly? Or, you know, the fact that they haven't approached us yet and they've been building this for years, they obviously assume that we're not a threat. So do we just watch them from afar or do we build an army and possibly, you know, fire a warning shot to let them know who we are and that we'll defend our planet in case they want to invade? It just it brings about a lot of questions as to what would happen if you turned on your news one day and all of a sudden we found out that we weren't alone Mm -hmm. and basically like government based paranoia 
and power trips on opportunities to use weapons that might be still in their developmental stages, but they look like they could help us. Mm -hmm. So we're going to push them ahead and release them now and just, you know, like I said, fire a warning shot. It's probably a bad idea. (laughs) You might want to do a little bit more recon. And there's all kinds of really cool uh, interpersonal stuff going on with the crew that is up uh, in the sky, you know, checking this thing out. Uh, It's been revealed that one of the crewmen is actually pregnant. So that was in the last issue, so it's not a spoiler. But it it poses the question is they're basically on a suicide mission and they keep repeating, the government officials keep repeating, um, there's no way to bring them home. So they're like, yeah, but they all volunteered for this. They all signed up. They know what they were getting into. Not that they're expendable, but if, if all goes to shit, they, you know, they knew the consequences. But now you have a life aboard this vessel that did not make that choice. And it brings about a whole bunch of more questions. Sure. It's really good. It's, it's really good contemplative stuff. And every now and again, I'm in a mood for a book like that. And it's been delivering uh, hardcore mm. from that aspect of things. Uh, another book I got to check out this week is Justin Jordan and uh, Matteo Scalera's Dead Body Road. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of uh, hype for this. And I, I'm happy to say that I enjoyed it. The art is spectacular. Matteo Scalera's, I mean, I've never seen too much of his stuff, but between Black Science and this, he's just got a really, really um, expressive and gritty style. And I am an absolute sucker for revenge tales. And that's precisely what this is. Yeah. You know, person close to another person, the, the job goes wrong, someone gets hurt whoever's responsible needs to pay. But there's also a mystery because the only people in the room are the people that you're after and nobody, nobody will confess to have having, you know, done that Mm. part of the crime. And, um, it's just, it's super gritty. It was a little confusing at times in a sense of that it it packed a lot of characters and a lot of, a lot was going on in the book that sometimes it was difficult to know who was who. Um, there was like one or two moments of that, but, uh, upon a second read, it was, it was a lot of fun. Mm. I mean, I'm definitely on for another issue. Yeah. I think that, I mean, what happens basically is that there's a bank robbery. It goes wrong. Woman dies. Mm. And that woman's husband or whoever she, he is, is out to get revenge on the people who killed her. And that straight ahead revenge stuff is very good. I, I do think, I do agree with Steve. I think that the issue it runs into is it happens with indie books some, a lot actually is that, Look, when you're dealing with characters you know very well, skipping around a lot is not a problem because I know that this person is not Spider-Man, right? Mm-hmm. I know who Spider-Man is. I know Mary Jane is. I know all the people are. I know what they look like. They all look very different. So when you skip around between, let's say, Peter and Eddie Brock, I know the difference between what they look like. Mm-hmm. When you have an indie book, a new book, a first issue, and in that, within the first three or four pages of that first issue, you, you skip around three times to different locations with people who look sort of the same, mm-hmm. you end up spending time as a reader trying to figure out, not some mystery. You end up looking at their hairdos. Yeah, yeah just <laughs> who the hell, and I go back and I look, I'm like, who the hell is this person? Like, is this the same person? Is this a flashback? Is this what's going, you know, this person looks like the person that was right there, but now he's being tortured by somebody. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, and that's not the good kind of, let's go backtrack and try to figure something out. That's the bad kind. That's the, there's something not clear about your book. You know, it's not a mystery. So, that stuff took me out of the book sometimes. You know, you want to be immersed. You want to go through. You want to power through the book. 
want to be part of that story. And I had trouble being part of the story mm-hmm. because uh, because of those factors. It, it looks beautiful. It is well written. Yeah. Um, but I feel like those things hold it back from being one of those things where be like absolutely dead body road. Another right. another home run by image. You got to pick it up. It's one. It's one of those. So, check out the second issue and and see. Yeah. You know, Stephanie, did you get a chance to check it out? No. Ooh, see, I try to include you. This is what I get. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Thank you for including me. No, I but appreciate um, it. I'll actually I'll I'll lend my um my opinion to something that you and Bobby had already uh, spoken about. I got finally got to sit down with Aquaman number 25 and uh, two thumbs up. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. It was awesome. And I, it not only was it really good, but I, it's a really great place to uh, pass the torch, Mm. I think. And, and see uh, Jeff Parker Parker. is is the next. Yeah. uh, You know, I was a little worried about Jeff Johns leaving the title, but this has been it's been such a great story. I mean, 25 issues worth of solid Aquaman stuff when you never thought you'd be reading an Aquaman mm-hmm. book is nothing to, you know, shake your head at. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. Uh really good. And I love I love the rekindling of uh Mera and Aquaman mm-hmm. and I love that she is equally it, it's equally as important that she is happy and in the right place by the end of the story just as much as it is that Arthur is. Yeah. So Absolutely. I was saying the word is mm. a lot in those sentences. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I'm not going to go on about it. You know, I love it. Alex and Ada number two uh, by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn. I can't recommend this book enough. It's going to be 15 issues. It's only at number two. Go out, get the first two. If you're curious about it, it's like a really emotional uh, Twilight Zone episode. <laughs> it's really good. It, it's going, it's going to some nice places. Uh, really quick, Uncanny X-Men number 15, uh, or part of Inhumanity, was also fantastic. It's a girls' night out issue with, uh, you know, now that things are kind of settling down, the girls realize that they don't have a whole lot at the uh, the new school and they need to go shopping. But of course, people, you know, people going shopping and trying to do normal things or superheroes trying to do normal things never really works out too well. Mm-hmm. And they run into a new Inhuman who is quite paranoid he doesn't understand a what happened to him and b why all of a sudden he's surrounded by superheroes being questioned about you know every every other thing and it goes poorly mm-hmm. but in a good way in a good in a good for readers bad for characters kind of way right yeah so uh super awesome art though um sorry about that it is was anka what's the first name uh chris anka is the artist and rain barredo is the colorist who also did a wonderful job. Uh, but my absolute favorite book of the week. Oh, let me or, ask you a question. This, this yes. issue, by the way, yeah, is, sorry. It, is it part of the, it's part of the uncanny continuity. It's not like it's like a separate side issue. It's part of the uncanny community. It's, mm. it continues the Jean gray, the, the new, the old new young Jean gray, yeah. however you want original X-Man, original yeah. X-Man, Jean gray, <laughs> is she's on the outs of this group. Mm. You got the you know the Stepford sisters and Emma Frost. There's a hilarious hilarious uh moment with Emma Frost. Every so often one of these things that I've noticed in comics that I absolutely adore is I've seen it a couple of times that superheroes often the the women mostly a lot of them sleep like toddlers <laughs> where when they're asleep their knees are kind of tucked up and they're just they're bent over forward their face buried in the pillow and like a little drool line coming out that's how Emma sleeps she sleeps like a 3-year-old <laughs> so you have this you know sexy powerful mentalist 
who looks like she's three years old when she's asleep. <laughs> right. And uh, they, they're contemplating whether or not to wake her up. And she kind of hears them and opens up her eyes. She's like, what do you want? Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, we're going shopping and we need money. She's like, I got it. And she pulls out this duffel bag and throws it on the, on the bed and just pulls out like stacks. Mm-hmm. They're like, where the hell did this come from? She's like, listen, kids, I've been around for a long time. I was part of the Hellfire Club. I got money. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Hmm. Um, it was a really good moment mm-hmm. for her. And they go out and they have fun. And half the issue is, is laughing and having fun and poking at each other and you know settling disputes and things like that. But then they run into a situation where an inhuman shows up. And like I said, he's very paranoid and very confused and he's very powerful. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it starts off with them kind of being on the outs with one another and looking to do an activity that's fun, that's going to serve a purpose, but also brings them together. And then they run into a fight on which they're all going to have to come together if they Mm want to defeat this guy. And it's just a nice progression. Mm -hmm. Um, But my favorite book, I was talking about this last week and about how continuing to pick up books and not reading them. Mm -hmm. I know that a lot of, (laughs) (laughs) I know that a lot of people get, you know, a lot of people are like that. Mara is like that. Um, a bunch of people that it's just you're you have faith and you're beholden to either writers and you just trust. Mm-hmm. You know, like I haven't read Superman Unchained. I have them all, but I haven't. <laughs> or Superman Wonder Woman. Oh, yeah. I haven't gotten to the first two issues yet. But um, one of the things that just it just looked so cool, the art and and I was intrigued by the first issue, but I wasn't sh- quite sure how I felt about it is uh, from Vertigo, Coffin Hill by Caitlin Kittredge and uh, art by Inaki Miranda. I absolutely positively love this book. It's awesome. Uh, set up for it if you would care to hear. I'm sure people would like that. I don't remember. So you don't remember? Do. All right. It's, um, it's, essentially, it's about a girl named Eve Coffin who is, and it's hard to, it jumps around a lot, so bear with me. In the, in the story now, she is a retired cop who was injured in a, like a home dispute. She was shot uh, in the head. She survived. And she's come back. And she kind of is like, everybody wants to know how she survived and what happened. There are a couple of shady dealings as to the, um, I guess, what the court considers what happened. Now that she's up and about, they're looking for answers. She doesn't really feel like giving any because she's, she's very much a rebel. Um she hooks up with her ex-boyfriend who's also a cop and there is a string of murders that are happening within the woods that belong to her family's property and she's looking to team up with him and help solve this mystery of kids disappearing into these woods now how it ties into her is that when she was 15 years old she was one of these very rich rebellious teenagers who has a family line of their lineage ties back to witchcraft and everyone in the town believes them to be witches and to be involved in the in the dark arts. So she decides to not only crash her parents, you know, big soiree, but to go off into the woods and perform a ritual just to see what happens, just to stir up some shit. And stir up some shit, indeed it does. And it winds up hurting one of her friends, turning another one of her friends into a mindless, you'll see. It's really, really good, and it reminds me, it feels like a television show. Um, little, I don't, I don't want to say Twin Peaks, because then that reminds me of Revival. Um, maybe Stephanie can help me out with this. What do you, how would you describe Coffin Hell? Um, it's kind of like, um, 
It's kind of like an episode of a really long episode of X Files meets like maybe like Twin Peaks and there's something else. Like there's what was that show on Netflix? The one with the oh, the vampire. You're thinking of I can oh. never remember the name of it. Wait, what? Uh, the Netflix original with the Hemlock Grove. The Hemlock Grove. Grove. Yeah. 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 I could see that. I only watched an episode of that, but I could. It has the same vibe, like yeah. the the woods and mm-hmm. the secrecy. Yeah. Um. It it kind of has this YA feel to it, like it's borderline young adult, um, sort of novel material. Yeah. Um, but with a little more, um. A little more balls. Yeah, yeah, with a little more edge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I think is where she comes from. She's a novelist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think I think this novelist. might even be her debut even, in yeah. comics. Yeah, I think it is. Even the family, like the dynamics, is kind of lock and keyish, like mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah, yeah. It's got a lot going for it. I, you know, I I wanted to stick it out. The main thing that was keeping me on it was the art. The art is absolutely gorgeous. The colors, uh, some of the panel layouts are a lot of fun. Um, and it's just the, the Blackbird stuff is really awesome. There's even a little bit of like supernatural superpowers things going on where even though her, what Eve is capable of doing hasn't been entirely explained to me yet. I'm enjoying the story so much that it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I can, I can wait and they're portioning out what she can and can't do as the story goes along. And I just think it's a really good distribution of information on the character and there was a twist at the end of issue number three that i think is gonna make things a hell of a lot more interesting and even had uh it's even got a little bit of a rachel rising kind of vibe to it Mm. as well that was the other book that i was looking for um but yeah i you know vertigo has been releasing a lot of really interesting titles in uh the past two months or so or three rather now that this is uh three issues but yeah i'm super glad that i collected it and caught up on it and now i can't wait to read uh number four nice so uh yeah coffin hill uh caitlin uh kitteridge and inaki miranda wonderful wonderful stuff cool awesome uh stephanie what do you got for us so i haven't read a lot as you guys might have known between being detained and (laughs) moving Mm -hmm. so it's been it's been a busy couple of weeks um i know this isn't a comic book but i'm going to quickly mention this book that i read and like it completely just took over my life for like two days by Marisha Pessel, but it's called night film and it's very, very, very good. If you, it was kind of like this girl with a dragon tattoo meets like lock and key. So really good, really good. It's like this murder mystery sort of thing, but they give you like the evidence, like they give you articles and evidence and photos that the people are actually looking at to help solve the murder. Oh, cool. And it's, it, I don't think that you can really solve it, like with the information that's given, but it's an interesting visual aid to kind of, cause like you hear people talk about, you be like, Oh, they read this article and they got this from it. But like, they actually let you read these articles that are put out and the police file for the person who passes away and they're trying to, you know, learn about, and all these other things, and it was really good. So um, I think people were calling it, like, this year's Gone Girl, if anyone read that and liked it. So just FYI, literature. <laughs> <laughs> Books without pictures, sometimes. I know, I know. 
we like those occasionally. <laughs> um, so reading or carrying on with things I did read that were comics, which are also literature, <laughs> but, you know, with pictures. Um, so first of all, I read Marvel Knights Hulk number one. Um, I don't think I've ever read a Hulk comic. Hmm. So I knew this wasn't really necessarily in continuity, like it was its own separate story. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to try it out and see, you know, if I enjoyed it. Because I, I, I want to experience some of these new, not new characters, but new to me. I want to experience these characters. Yeah. And it's hard to sometimes find a place to start unless, you know, you have Bob on speed dial. <laughs> which I could. Yeah, which you do. But, you know... I don't want to bother you, boss. You always give me so many good things to read. <laughs> Anyways, carrying on. It is by Joe Keating and also Peter Kowalski. Kowalski? Oh, I'm right! <laughs> I Google things. So uh, basically it's kind of like the Hulk is in Paris. Um, but the first issue starts off and uh, Bruce Banner doesn't know who he is. He doesn't know how he got there. And this girl finds him like in a river and she takes him and you know tries to nurse him back to health and one thing leads to another and before you know it there are people after the hulk with guns and stuff shocking serums serums and guns (laughs) and it was really good love the art love the story and um there isn't a lot of like I mean, there isn't really anything that you need to know to dive into it. It's just a Hulk story that you can just come to with a fresh mind. <laughs> I think I'm not making sense. No, but it's making perfect sense. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. It was, it was interesting. I'm interested to see where it goes and if it kind of keeps up. There's not like a lot of traditional Hulk stuff. Like he's more Bruce mm-hmm. than anything else. That will change, I, I bet. Yeah. Pardon? That will change, I bet. Yeah, yeah. But, like, he doesn't know who he is, and he just, like, he's kind of like, I feel like something bad's going to happen. <laughs> like, he doesn't know. Um, so I really enjoyed it. Check it out if you are like me and haven't read The Hulk and want to, or you like The Hulk and you want to read more. I don't know how it holds up as a Hulk fan, though, so. Interesting. Fair warning. Um. And the other thing I read, because, well, I read Harley Quinn, which we all know and love. La, 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 so good, so good. Great artist, great writing. Yay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but the thing I read, I tweeted about it because it was very exciting. I read the finale to Lock and Key mm. Alpha number two. <laughs> so dramatic. I don't know why I, I know. did that. I don't know why either. Um, and, Whoa. It's kind of weird that it's all come to an end. I felt like this issue was just going to be delayed for the next, like, six years. (laughs) And then they would be like, it would be like, it's not done yet. Wait, next month. (laughs) Nah, just kidding. (laughs) But, like, indefinitely for a while. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden it was here. And I read it. And it was gone. (laughs) And, I mean, I don't know what to say about it. I... I, w- I won't spoil anything because you should read it yourself if not. you're into the series. But like, I, I felt like I thought that it would end a lot darker. Okay. It, um, like the way everything was building up, like especially in Alpha Number One, I was like, 
Oh, who's actually going to survive this? And well, don't tell us um, who does, because that's a spoiler I'm not, in itself. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not, Bobby. God. <laughs> I'll Brian, kill you, Brian Griffin. Does, does it end with him. a double rainbow? Oh. <laughs> and yeah, it's like it's it gives the story a very Joe Hill happily ever after. Okay. I, take that as you thing? will. Yeah, I don't yeah. know what that means. <laughs> yeah. I don't know yeah. if I've ever experienced a yeah. happily ever after from him. <laughs> Everyone's dead and the world go. has ended. <laughs> the there end. There you go. Oh, happy. <laughs> happy for some weasel on the corner of the yeah, yeah. See, it's like an interpretive dance. <laughs> you don't know what it means. You're curious about it and you might like it or you might not. You don't know. You don't know. You just don't know. I've got Jules Pfeiffer in my head, those old village voice cartoons. My dance for spring. <laughs> Ballerinas. And, what is that exactly? So, uh, Stephanie, uh, just overall, though, were you did it, did it satisfy you for being a fan of the series for all this I time? I think so. Um, hmm. For me, I know Joe Hill has kind of mentioned that he was hoping to possibly do like one-offs and stuff in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like um, it gave a definitive end to the Locke family's story, mm-hmm. but it also left enough open-ended um, for other things to come in the future. Okay. So it it was what I wanted, I think. I. I don't really like when everything is wrapped up nicely with a bow. I like when there's things left to mm-hmm. the imagination and to the reader to kind of figure out themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I felt like this gave me enough of that to be like, oh, all right. Cool. You know, I'm, uh, I'm okay with this. <laughs> so I think I'm going to have to read it again after I've now processed it a bit to kind of take it all in. Gotcha. But gotcha. I'm happy that it's come to a close in sad kind of way all right awesome yeah. awesome um so is that all yes all right that's cool. all i've read all right <laughs> all right so really quickly uh batman uh number 26 uh very good issue uh it, it's one of those issues where we see batman now he's behind the eight ball of it he's one step behind who's ever you know unveiling their dastardly plan so we're, we're we're in that stage it's not my favorite issue of the series it's still a strong issue but it has been like the last two were were standout issues of part of the entire run mm-hmm. this is not that but it's still a very very good issue with with great art and the dr death stuff is grotesque and and, and really interesting. i'm really really enjoying him yeah. as a villain wouldn't yeah. expect it to be sunny with a name like dr death no it's I'm not just very thinking, happy yeah. but i love and we said this a couple times i love how in this arc of zero year they're doing all of these kind of sunset colors and stuff these oranges and reds and mm. it's, it's a very different look uh for the character and i like that quite a bit uh unity number two uh from, from valiant entertainment uh i talked about the uh the first one and really loved it and, and this one i i feel the same about actually i like this one a bit better we we have some more characters in in, in play here uh a character named Livewire who can kind of manipulate machines and get inside machines and talk to machines and there's a very cool scene where the book is kind of centered around they've gone into take out the man of war exo man of war and they have to take out his ship to do so and in the process of that exo man of war is kind of controlling his ship by kind of fuses with it he kind of it, kind of his armor wow. communes with the ship to fly it so livewire has to go inside the computer and kind of fight him in the virtual space it's very cool and, and there's a battle going on the outside and the inside yeah. because exo man of war is not like offline in a trance when his his suit is communing so he's able to fight 
people on the outside as well. So mm. it, it's pretty cool. It's it, it's a cool issue, and uh, Harada, who is uh, I think the the bad guy in Harbinger, is a good guy here, and hmm. uh, his powers are he's like just he's just like. Destroy, like blowing people, bad guys' heads, like of his mental powers. Wow! It's like Professor X or whatever. Uh, it's very cool, and, and Ninjak is awesome. It's 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 a very very fun series, and I'm not even reading any of the other books, and I'm still enjoying it. Uh, so could people could people jump on the first one? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. I, I wasn't reading anything else. When I picked up the first one. It's just a lot of fun uh, cool. with with cool different characters. You know, it's just it feels to me a lot like obviously there's a bigger universe here, but it feels like if you picked up you know, the number one of an image book or something that's a new superhero series or something. It has that feeling to it as far as being, leaving it open for you to get into the characters without really knowing them, them too well. So very, very good. Uh, Justice League 3000 uh, by Keith Giffen and J.M.D. Mateus with art by Howard Porter. We talked about this obviously a few, a few I think a month or so ago about the fact that uh, Kem, Kevin Maguire was taken off of the book and Howard Porter put on the book. Um, and... It seemed like it was to make it a, a darker, grittier type of book. <clears throat> the art is definitely uh, more intense or, and grittier than a, a Kevin Maguire type art, but the writing is just, it, it's not serious really at all. I no. mean, there's, there are serious things that happen. There, there's a serious situation happening around it, but I think any book that stars the Wonder Twins is not really, <laughs> you know, in, in the, in the, uh, the deep-seated, you know, serious, mature realm. Um, the, the the premise, which they kind of kept under wraps I- until the book came out, it, I think is a lot of fun. It's basically, there's something really bad happening. So Cadmus, who is always on the starting line between being bad and good, decides that they need to bring the Justice League back. Uh, so they use their DNA to reform them and bring back Superman, Wonder Woman, The Flash, The Green Lantern. Uh, and when they bring them back, they're not quite right. <laughs> you know, they're like the third... The third or second clone in like multiplicity, <laughs> you know, the, the, that, uh, yeah, they, you know, and Batman as well. Yeah. They just they 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 have they have their powers. They can do their stuff, but they're missing certain things. You know, Superman's kind of missing his his upbringing a, 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 as a Kent. He doesn't have that humility and that 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 good nature. He's very brash. He's he's not very careful with his powers. You know, Batman is all anger and, and frustration. Uh, you know, the the Flash doesn't have... Is there something wrong with his physiology? He needs a force field in, be, in order to be able to run because he can't... If he if he runs without it, he's going to break down. He's, he's, you know, he's going to die. Uh, the Green Lantern doesn't really have the ring anymore. He has like this cloak that's kind of creating the power, a substitute for it, but it's not really perfect. One Roman is kind of this like bloodthirsty savage. She's, yeah, she's dropping buildings she's on people. She's dropping buildings on people. <laughs> she's, and they say it too. She's lost <laughs> that thing. She doesn't have that thing about her. So I think that's a cool idea. It's It's a silly idea. Um, and it's in kind of this this future. It almost has like kind of like the fifth element type of feel mm-hmm. to it, where it's this kind of dystopian type of future, but it has a, a, a very uh, an underline of humor about it. Um, you know, I, I uh, this is the first book I've read with Keith Given in the in the in the last couple of years that I picked up that has made me want to read a second issue where I feel like he's, it has the weirdness that makes it special and different, but not so weird that I can't get into it. Hmm. So I, I was I I liked it quite a bit, um, Bob. I don't know if you yeah read I read that. through it. I think one thing Giffen has always done is comment on the situation in mm. comics in general at the time he's writing whatever he's doing. The Justice League International was certainly that, you know, the mwahaha mm-hmm. era of that. I think at a certain level he's commenting on today's superheroes by having all these people in their 
it's one step from their current iterations, but not the way they were 20 years back. So mm-hmm. it's the bloodthirsty Wonder Woman, right, and the yeah, angry yeah. Batman, yeah, and yeah. the Superman who'll break someone's neck and yeah, the rest yeah. of it. Yeah. The one disconnect I have is Porter's art is good, mm-hmm. and I liked his Justice League. A little bit of silly here, a little bit of winking would have helped. Mm-hmm. And I think McGuire on this book would have made yeah. this an absolute killer. Right. Maybe that's the thing they had to make. He's like, look, they're like, look, you can have this script, you can have it be silly, uh, yeah, but we need be. it to look a little bit more like a We're superhero just, book. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> you know? You're probably right. <laughs> that's probably what happened. Steve, did you check it out? I did. Um, I'm a bit more conflicted on it than um, it's funny how you have your own opinion and then you hear someone else's opinion <laughs> who's more on the positive and you're kind of like, you could hear the wheels turting your head going, well, yeah, you know, maybe it wasn't so bad. <laughs> um, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way on my my first read or my first and only read of the comic so far. Uh, I felt that by the the characters missing those key elements that it took away a lot of what I love about those characters, mm-hmm. but that's that's kind of the point. Yeah. That's the idea. Yeah. And um, I just... I didn't know anything about the book picking it up. I know that they had kind of changed directions and it's one of those books that I, I couldn't help but wonder what it would have been if the other writer had had. Well, the writer, the writing didn't change. Just the artist. Changed. Oh, it was the art change. Yeah. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh, but then they changed the tone. They said it was going to be funny and light. And now it's going to be a bit darker. Well, no, that's not what they said. Kevin McGuire said that they, when they, when they were pitching the book, that's what they pitched. Okay. And the GC wanted something a little different. It seems like to me that it's still weird and funny. It's just, they wanted different art. Yeah. That's what it seems like to me. Um, I mean, it it could be one of those books that within two or three issues, something that I need to go back and, and collect. Uh, but with all these new books popping up and stuff like that, I don't know that I'll be making it to issue two unless mm-hmm. I hear that it's something that needs to be read. Mm-hmm. Um, it's different. And it's it seems like if it's your bag and you enjoy the setup, that it would be a lot of fun. It just it it didn't really do it for me. A hundred percent. It was nice for me because I. Like, I like the fact that they were different because I I read plenty of books with Batman and Superman in them. I don't need to see those characters again just in a different setting. So I like the fact that they're slightly you know tweaked and different. And I love I really love the Flash design. I think it looks really mm-hmm. cool, like the 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 bandana around his face and the kind of way his hair is. I think it, it, it's yep. very cool. He looks like Wally. He doesn't look like Barry, but it's it's interesting. Mm. Yeah, about like that. I said, I mean, I I definitely appreciate the setup. I just don't know if it's something that I have to be reading right now. Yeah. Um, and I will say this, we're going to talk about this more when we get to end of the year stuff, uh, but uh, I read Lazarus number five, mm-hmm. uh, along with the rest of the series that I had been way behind on it, and uh, it, what it begins to do is it begins to tell the backstory of Forever Carlisle and what she was as a, uh, how she was as a little girl and kind of what her training was, and it's really interesting stuff. I mean, w- once I started reading the book and getting in the flow of it, I started feeling like that that very Rucka kind of you know detached mystery story and it works really really well you know it feels like the spiritual successor to all those books that he's written in the past and uh the character stuff is really rich and deep and the 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 twists and the turns of that first arc were were awesome it's just it goes a totally different place than i expected to um and i'm really excited to keep going with it but issue five was stellar it was really really stellar nice yeah all right so that's gonna do it for uh the first half of our show we're gonna take a little break and uh when we come back we're gonna start doing our end of the year awards We are back, 
and we are here to start our best of 2013 deliberation. So if this is your guys' first time, you guys were listening last year when we did this, basically what we're going to do is we're going to narrow down our, uh, I think, was it 13 categories we have? 13. 13 categories. Uh, our lists, our, our big lists, down to five nominees for each uh, list that we all agree upon. Black of Gr- grudging term. agree yeah. upon being the key word. Yeah, <laughs> that we all finally give up and <laughs> let stand because we can't argue anymore. Um, so we're going to do all the nominees throughout these shows. And then um, uh, the week after New Year's, I think I think it's actually the 8th, I think it's exactly the week after New Year's, will be our, uh, our kind of award show where we'll actually pick the winners. And we're also going to put polls up on the site. Every time we put a show and we release nominees, we'll have a poll up on the site where you guys can vote uh, for yourselves. So we're going to have a site winner um, and, uh, and a, a mm-hmm. listener, a reader. Uh, winner fan favorite yeah. yeah we had some nice splits on that last we year. did we had some good, mm-hmm. good splits last year um so th- those those will go up there uh just so you guys know i mean we're not gonna we're gonna try to you know especially when we talk about the books to be um as general as possible but there's gonna be times <laughs> we're gonna have to talk about specific story stuff because th- that's how you can separate things so just be aware when we start talking about certain books there there's probably gonna be spoilers involved in, in in these discussions at, at some point. So just be aware of, of those things. As we um, get more and more tired, the edit button goes off. Yes, yeah. true. <laughs> uh, and, uh, we said this last year, we'll say it again. The books that we're talking about here tonight, these are the best of the best, in our opinion, in, in, in comics. We, we all have differing opinions and different and different tastes, so what we're bringing are different, and we'll, we might get very nitpicky uh, um, and very granular about how we criticize these things, Regardless of how we criticize any of these things, they are all great pieces of comic of comic book mm-hmm. literature that you should be checking out. But when you pick when you're picking the best of the best, you have to get down to the, the nitty gritty for it. Try um, not to be negative. Yeah, try to be negative. We're gonna be very respectful. You know, there yeah. might be times when we get a little loud, but, it, but trust me, we'll all be fine. The family will be fine. <laughs> Mom and dad will be fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, so yeah, and then our personal top ten list will come out. Uh, after the new year as well. So you guys will be able to see those as well, but we don't want to spoil what, what we're going to be talking about uh, on, uh, on these episodes. So yeah, so this week, next week, and the week of New Year's, these episodes will be out, and then after that, we'll get back onto our kind of regular uh, schedule. Uh, the, the topics we're going to be discussing uh, today are Publisher of the Year, uh, Best Cover, uh, Best uh, Web or Digital Comic Book, um, breakthrough artist and breakthrough writer. Uh, just so you guys know, we talk about breakthrough writer or breakthrough artist. These are artists that necessarily they're not new. They're not, they're not their first book, but it's kind of where they've really hit the scene, really exploded mm-hmm. and come into their own, whether it be in a uh, commercial sense as far as they're everywhere or even they've stepped up their game uh, as far as their actual skill level. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not the rookie of the year. It's no. someone who... Not even most improved. Yeah, no. Someone who made a bigger impact than would have been previously thought possible. Exactly, exactly. Ooh. And Web or Digital... Stole from a game show. Web or Digital is, of course, initially published first in web or digital format. A lot of these books have been published you know, in print format when we get to them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they, they appeared first in web or digital format. Um, let's do Publisher of the Year first. Sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. No, sorry. I hit my foot. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, so publisher of the year we're going to start out with now. Uh, you know this one I think is easiest because there's only so many to pick from. 
I, I just basically listed, I think, everyone that we w- we would go into, and we'll kind of narrow it down f- from there. Um, one second, I gotta, I gotta get my list out here. Not that I could probably say it off the top of my head, but uh, I've lost it. No. Oh no. There we go. There it is. All right. Oh, there it is. So, uh, Marvel, DC, Image, IDW, Dark Horse, Valiant, Monkey Brain, and Boom slash Archaea. Anybody else we want to involve? Yes. Vertigo. Vertigo is not a publisher. Vertigo is an imprint of DC. Well, then. So, they get included in the DC, in their clout for this d- decision. Ignore me, Because they're part of it. <laughs> Did you put Dynamite in there? I didn't put Dynamite in there. You want to add it to the, the list here? For us put them in there, because uh, people should know they exist. Not that I'm going to vote for That's them. True. That's true. Because they did, they did put out Miss Fury this People year. should know they exist. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So, I think, uh, let's start with the I think Image belongs on this list. Absolutely. Yep. Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. Um, Marvel? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Stephanie? Mm. <laughs> I'd say that there are significantly other publishers out there, but I have a feeling. There's significantly other publishers? There are <laughs> other publishers, publishers out there. Um, uh, we have, well, I mean, look, it, the, the ones we had last year were Mar- Image, Marvel, DC, IDW, and Dark Horse. Those are the ones we had last year. Um, uh, do we think that Valiant... Monkey Brain, Boom, Archaea, or Dynamite belong over those five. Does anyone have an argument for any of those? Over what were the five again? Uh, Image, Marvel, DC, IDW, and Dark Horse. I would say that Boom has a place on the list above one of those. Okay, well, well tell why. Um, they're one of the only ones that are putting out kid-friendly books right now. Mm-hmm. And the numbers that they're producing for Adventure Time and, again, like the regular show stuff are completely ridiculous. Mm. Like, I think, what was it, like Adventure Time this year, earlier this year, had more copies sold for the second issue than the first issue, which is, like, unheard of. Mm -hmm. They've been doing so many incredible things in the industry. I mean, and maybe they're not, you know, Watchmen, you know, type books where they're just blowing your mind on all these different scales but i think they need to be applauded for putting stuff out for kids and paving the way for a new generation of comic book readers stephanie i had dark horse at my number four would have been my wild card pick and i agree with you totally mm-hmm. to me i would drop dark horse for boom instantly interesting okay. I, would, I would do the same you do the same yeah uh, look i mean i want to I think that seven, you're absolutely right. You've got you at a point. They're the one of the only publishers putting out these these types of books. Uh, you know, we want to give it a dark horse, especially. I mean, they put out some really great books. Yes, I, they did. You know, uh, but I, I think that they're doing very similar things to what other publishers are doing. And you know, the thing is for me is like I have I, I've liked more dark horse books than I think. Um, IDW books, but that—that's my personal. I know you. I know you would. I know you yeah. absolutely would be. I mean, obviously, IDW is lock and key, so we, it, that puts them very far ahead, just in my yeah. brain. Mm-hmm. But um, so, uh, sorry, Stephanie, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I no, was just going to add to your point where I was going to say between IDW and Dark Horse, I'd choose Dark Horse. Got to, to stay on. You're saying, uh, yeah. or to get rid of? I, I mean, IDW again, like what you said, they have lock and key, mm-hmm. which is a fantastic series, but that's one book, mm-hmm. and. Uh, IDW, or sorry, mm-hmm. Dark Horse has several incredible ongoing series that, you know, comparatively, they have, you know, amazing titles, mm-hmm. a lot of them. And Lock and Key, because it's, you know, superb, doesn't make it, I think, worthy of being on the list over Dark Horse. 
And Bob, a you, point. Yeah, right. yeah, absolutely. Okay. IDW, first of all, just for me, for all the John Byrne mm-hmm. stuff, do you have such a veteran creator able to ply his wares in a pl- in an industry mm-hmm. that wants to ignore veteran mm-hmm. creators? Absolutely. Still have the Rocketeer mm-hmm. going great guns. Their retro idea, their reprint house, mm-hmm. doing all the great things that they've done over the year, old newspaper strips and Miss Fury and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. That's something to be said for that. And yeah. We're not talking about now just current as a publisher, yeah. which is the whole ball of wax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That should count for something, too. It absolutely does. Absolutely does. Steve? Uh, two, two things. Uh, one, I just wanted to bring up that IDW also absorbed 44 Flood this year, mm-hmm. so we're going to be seeing lots. Of, they also have memory collectors and a lot of you know really interesting properties coming to them. They have the ponies also? They have the ponies yeah, as well. And, yeah, and the My they Little Pony, pony as well. well. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, Steph, if you could remind me, what um, what were some of the more uh, the Dark Horse series this year? Um, I mean, they had Ghost, uh, the mm-hmm. Kelly Sue DeConnick mm-hmm. mini, which I think actually started in 2012. It did, but, but it finished this yeah. year. Yeah. 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 Um, Let's see what else is here. No one comes um, to from it. my list, they had like Hellboy, the Midnight Circus. They had Itty Bitty Hellboy, um, the BPRD vampire stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think of other things. They have that Hellboy line, which is great. The whole Hellboy um, line is, is really, really yeah. good. The Massive. The Massive, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. There's there's a lot of great things. I should have come more prepared. And doing fine. That's doing okay. fine. You're putting yeah, up a lot yeah. of good, a lot of good stuff. I mean, that's, those are all yeah, more than I had. That, you, that, you, that yeah. you're, you're putting out there. Again, like we said, we're talking about. Gr- there's five spots for nine, ten publishers who are all putting out great stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, um, if, if if you ask a lot of our listeners, a lot of people like Valiant is a very it has an amazing things that you were the very small lineup and has continually had books that are universally loved. Um, you know, across the board. Uh, but for me personally, I read one of them and I think it's very, very good, but I've never been able to get, like, get into it. So I can't put out a fight for it. But I do want to say that uh, I think what they're doing is very admirable with such a small lineup and the, 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 the inroads they've been able to make into the comic book culture and into the discussion in, in a lot of ways with only a very small amount, uh, I think is very, very impressive. So um, I want to put that out there for that. For me, I think... IDW would be a top contender for me next year, but in conjunction with Monkey Brain, because they're working together to bring out a ton of those books. Yeah. And I mean, IDW did bring out Bandette. No, Dark Horse brought out Bandette, I think. Oh, did it? Dark Horse. Never mind. Dark Horse did, yeah. Lies. I'm back to liking Dark Horse again. (laughs) Sorry, IDW. So but. I think I think what we've got here is we're we're basically we're have three companies fighting for two spots because I think we're going to say Marvel and DC are going to be on this list. Right. Image mm-hmm. on this list. Image on this is on this list. So we have Dark Horse, IDW, and Boom. Boom. Basically, Boom slash Archaea, uh, kind of you know fighting for the, these these last spots. I'll throw my vote behind them just because of the kid stuff. Because the yeah, I mean I'm fine with Boom and Archaea being on there. Yeah, I'm definitely behind that. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. So right. now it comes down to IDW and Dark Horse. Dark Horse. It's so tough. It's because they're such similar companies. They, have, they they put out similar books that you know they. It all becomes down to you know really gradient things. Um, uh, I mean, I guess we can just go. We can vote. I guess is what we we, we should do and just kind of see what happens. I mean, for me personally, just just off the bat for the moment, Dark Horse is, is the company that I that I vote for to be on. I'm gonna go with IDW. All right. Uh, I had both of them in my top four. Yeah. But I had IDW as my three. Okay. I uh, may have been talked off of it. Really? Interesting. Okay. So I'll go Dark Horse. All right. Stephanie? Dark Horse. All right. Dark Horse. So All right. there we go. We locked our first category. It was yeah. much much more of a, a discussion than it was last year. I like that, though. I think we got we have some good representation yeah. on there. Indeed. See, it was easier for me because I didn't have DC on the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, this, no. this, this, I, this is the I mean, this is the case about those two publishers, right? I mean, 
when, when it comes down to it, most of my top 10 is taken up by books published by those two companies. Mine, yeah, absolutely for me too. You, you know, I, I think that uh, they, you know, look, images. Look, images make huge inroads, and we'll talk about this more when we're actually picking the winners here yeah. about who's better, obviously, but or who wins our, our award. Images make huge inroads as far as being a company that really leads the industry in, in conversation. Oh, and their creativity is it, absolutely incredible. it's unbelievable. Um, DC and Marvel, though, like look, a lot of those books, the bulk of my pull list is, are, are those companies. I still, um, when we do my our personal top tens later in the year, a lot of my uh, a lot of my really high ranked books are books from those companies. So I think they need to be on there, despite the like bull crap stuff that happens yeah. around, you know, uh, in, in the news and stuff like that. I think that they uh, purely in a publisher with the books they put out standpoint mm-hmm. need to be on that list. Sure. Um, but I, so we have Marvel, DC, Image, Dark Horse, and, and boom. boom. All right. Locked yeah, I would have in. loved for like Monkey Brain, but I really I feel bad. I haven't read as much stuff from them this year, and that's my problem too. I, I think they do great stuff, and I think similar to what you're saying, Stephanie, about Boom is that they allow they allow creators to do. There's a lot of all ages books uh, on Monkey Brain, mm-hmm. and they also just allow people to do stuff that they can't do other places because of the format and the ownership they give to their creators mm-hmm. uh, over their work is fantastic. You know, it's amazing stuff. Uh, but like you said, Stephanie, I haven't read enough of it, and I can't just go off of kind of goodwill feelings, you know, to, mm-hmm. to vote exactly. them in. Exactly. Yeah. I know High Crimes is fantastic, but last mm. year I read a ton of Monkey Brain stuff, and this year I'm behind on everything. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just want to say two things for for Boom and Arkea. Mm. One, um, Arkea actually published one of my what one of the things I'm going to be going to bat for later mm-hmm. for uh, graphic novel or one shot mm-hmm. of the year is um, I don't want to give it away, yeah. but it's a they it, published it. I know yeah, they published it. It's yeah. a book that's very very close to my interests and and to my heart really. Um, and also, uh, Boom and Arkea put out Imagine Agents, which mm. has been spectacular, mm. uh, way up on my on my list of things that I'm enjoying currently. And um, not to mention their their booth at New York City Comic Con. I know this is kind of a separate entity, but just the the it's it was pouring out with originality. And they're not a com- they're a company that's not afraid to like image that's not afraid to take risks on books mm-hmm. and present them in in the the best quality possible with hardcover books that have like. You touch them and they're bumpy and they, they feel like you get a you get a significant product mm-hmm. when you give your money to that to that company and they have a presentation above other companies in my in my personal opinion to take the stories that that they absorb and and just give them to people in the way that they're meant to be seen. Not to mention um, Rust is also a part mm-hmm. of that and many many others yeah. that I, that I'm not naming right now. But um, they're they're great, and they're they're making moves to you know become more of a part of the scene just by merging together. I guarantee you, in 2014, we're going to see a lot of stuff from them. Yeah, I will say too. It's speaking obviously they're on the list, but Dark Horse. You mentioned the the, the trades. Dark Horse also does a fantastic job mm-hmm. with with the with the the quality of the way they put out their trades. Like you, Black Beetle, which yeah. we will talk about later. Um, the massive trade is 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 awesome. You know, like they they do wonderful wonderful stuff. With the, Can uh, we? Sorry, uh, uh, mind management as well. Uh, the trays are like, the hardcovers are like amazing. So good. Yeah. Can yeah, we mention Sony. like yeah. the Hellboy like omnibuses, which are yeah. yep, yeah, like, the library editions. I haven't yeah. even. We've discussed this before, where I haven't read a lot of Hellboy, but every time I go into a comic shop and see those things, I'm like, yep, I need that. <laughs> yeah, in, um, it doesn't matter. They're beautiful. They're yeah. like a piece of art. Yeah, in a 
<laughs> in uh, Heroes uh, in London, Ontario, they got they got a trade in mm. of like volumes one through five or mm-hmm. whatever it is of the omnibuses. Yeah. And they were marked down to like twenty five bucks a piece. It took everything that I had, including the amount of weight that I was allowed to bring back right, into yeah. the states to not buy them. They uh, have them like that in Toronto too. There's yeah. a store that has them in quantity for that amount. Oh, yeah, wow. that's, yeah. Great. that's great. They're they're beautiful. Yeah, I now, love it. Now that said, they're off the list, but IDW's artist editions. Oh are yeah, some of the most incredible mm. things that have ever. Those come books out. are amazing. That full they size to, art, yeah. one one and a half up. Yeah, oh. it's amazing. A yeah. lot of these smaller companies, I think, need to, you know, make their work extraordinary to set themselves apart. Like, mm-hmm. if somebody's looking at, should I collect all new X-Men for my nephew who's into comics, or should I collect, I don't know, this Hellboy omnibus? It's mm-hmm. going to be like, no contest. Mm-hmm. No contest. If you're going oh. by aesthetic look, yeah, it's absolutely, and you're absolutely right. I and mean, they do it because they need to do it, because they need to stand out. Uh, because Marvel and DC, they just put out, you know, paperback books. <laughs> yeah, they throw them out, you know, but... Uh, yeah, I no. think Steve has a pull quote, by the way, from now on. If it's got to show up on a, a Boom Archaea book. You touch it and it's bumpy. <laughs> no review of the book. Yeah, you yeah. touch it and it's bumpy. Well, my book that I'll be talking about I later. I want that on a t-shirt, actually. Yeah. I take it off the shelf. I run my hand over it. I'm like, oh, that's nice. That has a very bumpy cover. Yes. Um, <laughs> all right. So, uh, cool. So, we, we locked down uh, Publisher yes. of the Year. Let's, let's go on to Best Cover. Ah. Um, oh, boy. So, the way we did this last year was... Uh, basically, you know, there's four of us and there's five spots. Basically, uh, we picked a cover from our list to put you know, each onto the that made it, and then we communally picked one cover to, to make it uh, you know, f- uh, for the fifth mm-hmm. spot. Um, so you know, I'm going to just go first. I only really picked one cover because uh, okay. I, I knew that's all I was going to get on there anyway. So <laughs> go uh, Afterlife with Archie, number one, is my cover of the year. See, I only have the variant. I have to see the. Oh, it's pretty awesome. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Afterlife. <laughs> it's really. It's just, you know, it's this giant like Jughead, like zombie Jughead. Uh, it's great. It's a. It's a really great cover. All right. Cool. But that's that's my cover. I'm adding to 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 the, the short list uh, there. Um, Stephanie, what what do you got for us? What what's the one cover on your list that you needs to be on here? Um, for me, Fables One Thirty Five by Greg Ruth. Okay. Can you uh can you d- describe it really quick? Yeah, let me just bring it up so I can okay. kind of better. I'm doing it too. I, yeah. 135? Yep, 135. And those of you guys listening, uh, we'll, like we did last year, we'll include these covers in the, oh, great. You know, you know, in the, in the show notes. Uh, so, yeah, don't uh, go by our description. On the site, so you, you can check them out and, and see them for yourself. Um, and also, guys, you know, in the comments below or podcast at talkingcomicbooks.com, if you disagree with who we're picking, you know, if you're like, God, I, you guys are crazy. IDW needs to be on there. You know, Monkey Brain needs to be on there. Yeah, please, to be on there. Yeah. please, in the comments. What are you, blind? Yeah. <laughs> write, down, you know, you, write down your nominees for these categories. And, and that way we can, we can have a cool discussion in the comments about what's going on. So 135, you said, Steph? Yeah. Is this the one where it's like she Hang has on. a sword and she has like brambles all around her? I'm trying to find it here. Hang on. Ah, internet. So while you look for that. What internet? I've got them here. Yeah. <laughs> um, That's nice. So while you were looking for that, 70, Fables 135, Steve, what's the one cover on your list that you, needs to be on there? Uh, Fairest number 17 ah. by oh, Adam okay Hughes. That. <laughs> what's that? I said, oh, I'm okay with that. Yeah. <laughs> I um, wrote like 
Ferris question mark. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Ferris number 17 is the cover with the girl kind of, I guess it almost looks like a, like a Vidal Sassoon uh, <laughs> commercial where she's washing her hair yeah, yeah, yeah. and right uh, she's, le- she's arching back, running her hands through her hair and her hair is falling down and eventually becomes crocodiles inside of her hair. Huh. The way that it falls, the way that the eyes of the crocodiles are interwoven into the strands it is an absolutely arresting and beautiful, beautiful cover. Mm-hmm. And every time I, I saw it, I was actually considering jumping off of Fables, and then I saw that cover, and I had to have it. Mm-hmm. And then I, I actually read the series because of that issue mm-hmm. and loved it and have been on it ever since. It's my favorite cover of the year. It's just it's beautiful. Awesome. I actually just found that cover today while I was unpacking. <laughs> it's so good. I love it. Awesome. Yeah, um, it's beautiful. So- this cover, I found it here. Um, so it's Greg Ruth, and it's part of the Camelot series that's going on right now. And um, so I believe it's Lancelot, and he's looking in, and he has Excalibur, and he's looking kind of like hobo. And I know that doesn't sound <laughs> oh, like the screen door appealing. looking thing. Yeah, and it's like this. But oh. it's, I don't know what it is about it. Like, I just love the aesthetic of it, like this kind of darkness. And oh, I don't know. I see it. I got it. It, I, this is gonna sound so weird. It reminded me a little bit of Looper, in, yeah, <laughs> right? That, like yeah. that that house that that was featured yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Oh, like she opens up the door and yeah. like, oh yeah. no, yeah, it's, don't open yeah. that door. No, don't open that door. I know it's not like Adam Hughes, like Ferris or anything, but I don't know. Like something about it just really struck home to me and. Cool. I really like it's got an ambiance to it. It's got a lot of mystery, yeah. and yeah, no, it's a great cover. It's great framing, great lighting, and yeah, no, it's awesome. All right, and Bob, I'm a little torn. Okay, only in that uh, one I thought would come up hasn't, but I think it, we'll, we're going to throw in a. Yeah, we're all going to throw in one right, for so, the other one. You know. Okay, so for me, it's one that came out last week. Oh wow! It's the Alex Ross cover to the Man of Bronze Doc Savage number one. Okay, it's iconic in that it's Alex Ross, but it also channels James Bama, who drew the. Signet paperback covers of Doc Savage back in the 70s made everybody want this. It's also channeling Jim Steranko. We've got some spy stuff over the side. We've got Doc and the ripped shirt and the jodhpurs and the whole mess. Mm-hmm. All this lovely period background sepia tone. This mm-hmm. is just a very involved cover. Ross is just one of the... If you, there's a cover artist Hall of Fame, he's in it. Mm-hmm. challenging some crazy ab action, too. <laughs> well, he's Doc Savage. He's the world's smartest and strongest man on top of everything else. And this cover just so... Says Doc Savage to someone who's a fan that I I'd love to frame this. This is a poster I'd love to have. That's just not fair hmm. though. If he's the world's strongest and smartest man, come yeah. on, that's not fair. Yes, because he is better than the rest of us. <laughs> but he tries to do good, and that that speaks here. He's stealing my bit. <laughs> so anyway, that's that's for me. Doc Savage number one from Dynamite. Nice. All right. So mm-hmm. let's uh let's let's go over. Let's let's see what else we've got here. Um, as far as covers that we we want to be on there. Um. So we want to do, I guess, two more each? So we'll, 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 okay. What was yours, Bobby? Oh, Afterlife with Archie, number one. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah, it was, was mine. Um, I mean, the only other one I had to throw in the ring, really, that really sticks out to me, and I can't remember the numbering, I'm sure Bob will know it. Um, or maybe it's number two. Fearless Defenders, number two. The the blister pack. I have that right here. That yep. would have been one of my other picks. Yeah, yeah. absolutely love. It, it's it's freaking great. I mean, it looks like a toy package. 
uh, on the cover. I mean, that's why I throw my, my hat in for for the, the, the fifth one is Fearless Offenders uh, number two. Um, Steve, you got another cover you want to throw in the, the ring here? Of course I do. Yeah. Favorite covers is my thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm going to so go... So why don't you list all the ones you put on there and then pick one that you want to be thrown here all right. from. All the ones that are on here are... My second cover is Pretty Deadly number two. Number two? Okay. Number two. Oh. That fold out when you take the book and you lay it flat yeah. of the the gigantic close-up of the butterfly mm. and um and the character together is just it's gorgeous mm-hmm. both both you know front and back it's one image it's spectacular uh my other vote would have been for uh captain marvel number 17 okay. which is the final issue with the carol core all on uh the cover okay mm-hmm. um other covers would have been uh, Sex Criminals number three, mm-hmm. which is the blue and white kind of like 69 um, embracing Spider-Man kiss mm-hmm. cover. Um, uh, Fantastic Four number seven, which is the one of them uh, basically on a lone piece of rock, and the family yes, with uh, Sue Storm encasing the family within like a bubble with her with the last mm-hmm. of her strength and the rest of the cover just being this black abyss. Uh, just a very striking cover. Uh, Captain Marvel number 11 is one of the uh, Joe Canone's uh, covers with her bounding from building to building, going across an old school like women's empowerment um, poster, like a liberal poster in the background. Really awesome. Uh, Hawkeye number eight is the like cherry red cover with uh, the girl with the, the gun. It's uh, red and white together. Very James Bondish kind of stuff. Uh, X-Men Legacy number 11 uh, is the one with Legion, the the pill breaking apart, and Legion's kind of yeah. falling between the pill, and it basically erupts into this, uh, all the little dots inside of the pill uh, form a skull, mm-hmm. which I thought was uh, incredible. And uh, Avengers Assemble number 19 was totally just my own little thing. It's the one with uh, Spider-Woman and Black Widow together. There's something about the colors, the positioning, the paints that were used. It's just, it it screams badass mm-hmm. to me. Um, you know that would it would have been at the bottom of my yeah, list, yeah, but still a cover that when I pass by it, I'm like, yeah, nice, awesome. Um, so, but if I had to vote again um, for for another one to throw into the pile, it would uh, definitely be uh, pretty deadly number two. Okay, uh, Stephanie, what about you? Um, so this one is the, okay, I'll put two in here. So the pretty deadly number one. Okay. Loved it. And then the all new X-Men variant for number 18. So number 18, if you guys don't know, they did a series of variants of the X-Men throughout, um, the generation. So they did the 1970s variant, the 1980s variant, the 1990s variant. Mm -hmm. And because I'm like, I love you all, or all new X-Men, <laughs> X-Men, the animated series. The nineties one is very dear to my heart. And Ralph Tedesco, Ralph Tedesco, Tedesco. Um, he did the variant for the 1990s one. And I love it. <laughs> I love it so much. Um, so that would be my choice, but I also had like Batman, or Batman, Batgirl 24 by Alex Garner on my list. Okay. But I would personally choose the Tedesco one for the 1990s. Okay, so you would go with uh, the 1990s variant, all new X. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Bob, what what is your? I'll go from the bottom up quickly. Okay. Uh, X Men One, mm-hmm. just the fun of it, Jubilee chewing gum and just sitting there on the top, but 
Not something I necessarily die for the vote on. Right. Rocket Girl number two, Amy Reader. Just mm. absolutely love the sort of three-dimensionality of that, and it's just absolutely lovely. Batgirl 21, the ventriloquist cover, which is one of the creepiest things I've ever seen. Oh, it is really creepy. <laughs> it is a really nasty piece of work. Alex Garner really stand out mm-hmm. this year. Uh, FF number seven, with its very sort of 60s mm. vibe by Michael Allred. The Hawkeye Annual, Javier Polito. Oh, yeah. Meta Mask and Big Kate with her mm. checkered dress. And now we get into the contenders. Batgirl 24. Mm-hmm. Absolutely love this cover. Uh, Barbara holding Ricky down at the front. Commissioner in the background. So that's a half a vote for me on that one. All those Alex Gardner covers are wonderful. Yeah, they're I could have picked am- nearly all, all of them. Yeah, they're all amazing. I'm on board for Pretty Deadly number one okay. as well. That was the one I thought w- would come up mm-hmm. and didn't. So I'm going to give that a half a vote for now. Uh, because Captain Marvel 11 I absolutely love the Mm -hmm. whole idea of my understanding is having spoken to Kelly Sue about this is Joe wanted to just sort of go for we'll do the poster we'll do the whole it's a Rosie the Riveter Mm -hmm. we can persevere that you have this sort of generic old movie villain bandit with a domino mask and a striped shirt being hauled behind as Carol at this point can't fly so she's leaping rooftop to rooftop because she can't do anything else. So it speaks so much to what's going on inside and that this is her building that she lives in that these people are proud to have her as a tenant. Hmm. So that's up there on the list. But my number two pick, though, was Fearless Defenders and that blister cover. Mark's mm-hmm. Bro- Mark Brooks, 12 issues of killer covers. Mm-hmm. And to me, I love Canonis. I love Amarillos. If I'm going to put my vote behind just one, I think... This one may represent everything else that went down on that book over the years. The uh, game cover, Mm -hmm. fight on the cover. The anime cover. Right, the anime cover, the the romance cover that just came out, which was the... The uh, the creepy horror cover. Yeah. So, since we don't have a cover artist category, though I actually did create one for myself, for my (laughs) own category. Mm -hmm. It's been a good year for that. Uh, It's Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Alex Garner, Stephanie Buscema, Jenny Friesen, Amanda Connor. Let's go down those people oh, who did no, nothing I but come. I forgot about Jenny Friesen. <laughs> her uh, oh, no, I Red wanna, Sonia's. Just, yeah, her Red consider? Sonia covers are phenomenal. <laughs> That'll make my my personal list. Mm-hmm. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> you hear the world crumbling beneath Stephanie's feet. <laughs> anyway, I, if if I can only have one vote, <laughs> one extra vote here, mm, it's yes. Fearless Defenders too. All right. Okay. <laughs> um, if it'll make things easier, mm-hmm. I will. Uh, my pretty deadly vote. If I have to move to number one, I'll I'll throw mine behind number one. Well, the one Stephanie put in was she said pretty deadly number one, but the one she's actually putting in is the all new X Men variant, number eighteen. I'm switching my fables. Wait, I'm what? sorry, fables. What? <laughs> I'm switching my fables to Jenny Frison's first Red Sonia cover. Oh, so your fables one thirty five? You mean? Yes. Okay, it's out. Red Sonia 1 is in. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> Red Sonia, the original. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's the first one. The one where she like is in the forest with the cloak on. Yep. Yes, yeah, that's the first yeah. one. Yep. Okay. Yep. Sorry. <laughs> sorry, Fable. So what were you saying to me, no. Bobby? So uh, sorry. Stephanie's like extra one was not pre number one. She mentioned it, but it's actually the all-new X-Men number 18 variant. I'm not familiar with that one. I know. I'll, sh- I'll show it to you right okay. now so yeah. you can look at it. But this is... You uh, should. Y- you should. <laughs> oh, I have seen this. Uh, so that's what she's putting right behind. Mm. Mm. It's so 
So, I mean, we can always... Also, we can change our votes, too. I mean, it's not yeah. like... The, the ones we have in contention are Pretty Deadly, number two. Mm-hmm. Uh, Fearless Defenders, number two. And All New X-Men, number 18. Okay. Um, so, uh, I think... I mean, uh, let's go around. Steve. What am I picking? Yeah, well, you're picking which one? Well, I mean, obviously, Pretty Deadly, number two, since it was <laughs> mine, but... Um, I mean, I'm, I, the Fearless Defenders cover is, it's a hoot and it's totally a a nostalgic and a throwback to, to my childhood. And it's super, super fun, as beautiful as Pretty Deadly number two is, and it will always be that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I can definitely throw a vote behind Fearless Defenders just for fun. Okay. All right. Fearless is still my vote. Uh, Stephanie? I'm trying to find the Fearless Defenders one right now. Number two. I, well, yeah, but like sixteen covers are coming up. It's uh, it's like the one looks like a toy pack. It's, it's like, the one with Danny Moonstar as um, like the GI Joe figure. Yeah, it's like it looks like a toy blister pack. I'm gonna go with Pretty Deadly. All right, and then I shall go with Fearless Defenders. So I think we're gonna choose Fearless Defenders number two. Okay. Um, so if we have voted because there's no other way to do it except for to vote for it. Right. Unless anyone wants to switch back to Pretty Deadly. Yeah. Unless anyone wants to switch back to Pretty Deadly. Um, so the list stands as Bob. We have Afterlife with Archie, mm-hmm. Red Sonia number one, the Jenny Frisson mm-hmm. cover, uh, Ferris number 17, mm-hmm. Doc Savage number one, Fearless Defenders number two. All right. Yeah. All Which right. Which is the group choice. Covers is wrapped for that. This is fairly painless so far. So, sh- so far. Sh- 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 yeah, 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 jinx. Big jinx on Spoilers. us. Spoilers. All right. So uh, let's uh, do um, best web or digital series. Um, so let's see, let's, Stephanie, what are you, what are you throwing in the ring for best Weber digital series? I have to pick just one right now. No, 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 no. You p- just tell us what you're, what, what you're in the. Oh, okay. Um, so my picks are Nimona by Noelle Stevenson. Okay. Adventures of Superhero Girl, which I don't think was actually around this year, but the collected edition came out earlier, mm-hmm. um, from Dark mm-hmm. Horse. Okay. So that's why I'm including it. Um, I got around to reading JL8 this year, so that's now on my list. Um, awesome. Battle Pug, because obviously. <laughs> and I talked about this earlier in the year. It was released through Comixology Submit, and I fell in love with it, and that is Chloe Noonan Monster Hunter. Okay. Chloe Noonan Monster Hunter. Arr. All right. <laughs> Bob, what do you got for us? Well, I have a couple that sadly were sort of not on hiatus exactly, but mm. in shorter rotation. Mm. JL8 was okay. certainly one of those. All right. So we got as, two was, for JL8. as was Superhero Girl. Mm-hmm. Two for Superhero Girl. Uh, still love Kate Beaton's Hark of Vagrant. Okay. The problem is it's now mostly in her Tumblr and mm. not mostly a pick. Right. It goes up once a month, once every six weeks or so, Steph, about. Yeah, every it's not as often. It's irregular, as well. but she throws together something on her Tumblr page. Mm-hmm. But my so that would be my number four pick. But number three is Girls with Slingshots, okay, which is just a really fun daily strip with a with sort of a Sunday page as well. Mm-hmm. It's great characters. It's funny, geeky in a way. Great cast of characters. Um, then there's the single panel Our Valued Customers. Which is just really snarky people in comic stores saying all sorts of all the crap we all hear. <laughs> just in the for us, we're in the comic community, very mm-hmm. 
just a lot of fun. For mm. everybody else, it probably means absolutely nothing. It sounds it's like called, an idea we had last year. <laughs> yeah, it sounds a lot like that, doesn't it? It's nah. called Our Valued Customers. But my number one pick, and I'm shocked, Stephanie, but sitting here in front of me because I bought it for real is Bandette. By so Paul good. Tobin and Colleen Coover, which I think is just so positively charming and wonderful in all ages, and yet for grown-ups, it's a thief, yeah. but she does for the right reasons. And you get to learn about art. You see pieces of Rembrandt art and old books and, and so on and so forth. Uh, the Matador and the Urchin and all these wonderful little characters. This is just absolutely special, mm. and it's my number one pick. Okay. Um, so for me, I only have a few. Uh, JL8 is obviously a, a pick for me. Um, absolutely. We don't have to, we'll go into, you know, when we get into more debates mm-hmm. about winners and stuff like that, we'll go into that. Um, my other, the only two I have, um, uh, Captain Ultimate, uh, Monkey Brain book uh, by a friend of the show, Joey Esposito and uh, Benjamin Bailey. It's an all ages book uh, uh, about a superhero named Captain Ultimate. It's, it's really, really fun stuff, you know, uh, really well written. And uh, it's, you know, it's a fresh thing because it's a happy, you know, superhero doing happy stuff. So, sure. very, very good. And, uh, but the one I want to fight most for is uh, Injustice uh, Gods Among Us, which is uh, Tom Taylor. It's uh, obviously they released it in, in, in print form as well, but it, it's a digital first title uh, by DC, uh, obviously based on the uh, the video game of the same name. Um, it's a book that I have read sporadically until we started doing this, and I wanted to make sure I, I got up on it because I know people are... Um, really high on it. I wanted to, to know, you know, what the situation was and well, not only let's, I mean, the, 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 the quality is very, very high. I mean, he's a great writer and he's taken over earth too and done a very good job there as well. But here he's able to craft kind of this, you know, this kind of elseworld story in, in a lot of ways, uh, in, in very interesting, varied ways where characters are not, not acting the way you expect, but still acting in, in a manner which feels right to, to who they are. It's incredibly dark. You know, it's not a book that's going to make you smile because that's mm-hmm. the, it's the world of, the, of that video game. It's a very, very dark thing. Um, but you get to explore character relationships you never get to uh, explore in any other thing. Like Harley Quinn and, the, and Green Arrow are like buddies in, 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 the, mm-hmm. in the comic because they, Harley Quinn is not on the side of kind of the the world's been kind of taken over in this parallel universe and, and she's not on board with that. So, you know, she kind of teams up with, with Green Arrow to, to, to help take down some, some bad guys. And it's, it's really cool. You know, it's really cool to see those kind of relationships. And because it's so out there and because it, it doesn't have anything to do with regular continuity, he's able to pull off really stunning, stunning uh, twists and turns in the plot that you would never see coming. Um, at the beginning of the book, the art was a little circumspect, I think, but as it's gone along, it, it's very, it solidified itself. And it's really been quite great. So I definitely want to throw my way behind Injustice Gods Among hmm. Us. Steve. <laughs> um, I'm actually glad that you brought it up. I've never read it, uh-huh. Injustice, but I know that it's a huge seller yeah. and that a lot of people are very passionate about it. Mm. Uh, and I don't see why it shouldn't have a spot. Mm. But um, I don't. I haven't been keeping up with very many web comics. I want to throw my vote behind two and just mention one that I know is not going to make it, but I just want to give it a shout out. Okay. Um, but I do want to throw my my weight behind uh, JL8 okay. and the Adventures of Superhero Girl, okay. which both were extremely charming and I I love them. Mm-hmm. Um, but another one that I want to just put out there for people to go and check out is a website and web comic called XKCD. Okay. Um, XKCD is a often a single panel. Sometimes it'll continue over three or four uh, days. It comes out every couple days. 
And what it does is it blends science and comedy and comics together into one thing. Uh, it also it, it often explores a lot of um, just different otherworldly concepts and mathematics and science and a lot of like in the industry kind of stuff. I don't know a whole lot about it, but oftentimes it makes me laugh and it also teaches you something every now and again. And when it does hit on something that you are familiar with, it gets it so well mm. and it's highly entertaining. Uh, even if it doesn't make it to the top five, I just wanted to put it out there for people to go and check out. It's xkcd.com. Mm. It is hilarious. Mm. Cool. Le- learn Midi. <laughs> yeah, no, it's my, my girlfriend introduced me to it. I, I'd seen it before, but she's a big fan. And I just I started keeping up with it. And it, it explores dreams, it explores causality, and random facts that you would never give a second thought in your daily life, but you go to this website and you check out the comic, and all of a sudden, for like a half hour while you're driving to work or you're driving to go and take care of errands, you're contemplating these things that otherwise would not have been a part mm-hmm. of your day. Mm-hmm. Cool. I know, right? Nice. And- Whoa. <laughs> Can I give like a couple quick shout outs to a couple things that didn't make my list and reason? Yeah, absolutely. This was four. So, The Abominable Charles Christopher mm-hmm. is probably hands down one of my favorite web comics, if not one of my favorite comics ever. Um, the only reason it's not on this list is because I just haven't been able to keep up with it this mm-hmm. year, unfortunately. But you should go read it. It's all available online and two volumes of it are available as well. It's abominable.cc. That is the website. It's so good. (laughs) Um, Kate Leth, she has a website called Kate or Die, and she's also doing stuff with Comics Alliance now. Um, She does all these, like, commentary sort of on stuff that's going on right now. And then she also does very personal things. Um, And uh, she's bisexual, too, so she comments on a lot of, issues that aren't necessarily brought up in any other format regularly at least mm-hmm. um and it's really really good um and i had a third one i wanted to quickly mention and i've forgotten it gosh oh no remember now Gemma Carell. she she's kind of making it a bit more mainstream now like she has some shirts that are being created but she does these um, she does a lot of stuff about pugs. She owns pugs, and apparently, I have a thing with pugs. Yeah, it's like apparently. Nice. But like that's it just happens that these things are awesome. But it's not even my favorite thing. Um, she has these things on Monday called Monday Pun Day, <laughs> and she just takes like the most amazing random things that you wouldn't think think of, and she turns them into these little cartoons, like like chili peppers, and there'll be peppers in like scarves and hats and stuff (laughs) and (laughs) and they're amazing and i like every time she posts one i'm dying for 15 minutes and then i send it to everyone and they're like steph no puns bad (laughs) and i'm like but it's so funny (laughs) and they are um so those ones aren't on like my top five this year just because i kind of go through them a bit more sporadically Mm -hmm. than other things but they're really fantastic and if you like puns pugs or other things Gemma Carell is your gal <laughs> nice oh man all right so we have JLA's on it's locked because we all mm, voted for it okay. locked um 
I think Adventure Superhero Girl is locked as well. Yep. Because, uh, I mean, I, I haven't read enough of it to vote for it, but I, what I've read has been delightful, so I'm not going to vote against it. Um, all right, so I think that... Uh, let's see here. Um, I can get rid of Captain Ultimate because it's very good, but I don't th- I don't know if it belongs in, in the kind of conversation with the, the, these other books. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's like, I don't read it, so I, I don't want to say... I, I, don't, I think that... What you said about Hark of Vagrant, how little it's updated, I think maybe we should kind of we should, we should kind yeah. of uh, eliminate it from the mm-hmm. list. Uh, obviously, we've given it, we've given that that book and that strip a lot of, of a lot of praise, and it's something that people should definitely be reading. All right, so that leaves us with um, Nimona, Battle Pug, Chloe Newen, Monster Hunter, Girls with Slingshots, Our Valued Customers, Bandette, Injustice, and XKCD. That's what it is, right? XKC? Yeah. Okay. I would say just because of cross-pollination, mm-hmm. both you guys would say Injustice. I would definitely say Injustice. I would definitely right. say Injustice because I know that it's it's a huge fan favorite and I think that it should have the chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I've, I've heard that it's great. It is very, very... It's okay. great. It is great. It and is. I would say then, Steffi and I might both say Bandette. I was about to say that. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. So what, what, we, what do we have? So we have four then, right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. So that's so I mean this is kind of going to be between you and Stephanie Bob because uh these are things that I have not read yet and I don't want to I haven't seen I'll, some of them either. Nemo, tell me about Nimona. Yeah, tell us about Nimona. Okay. So, well first of all, I'm just going to say between Nimona and Chloe Noonan, I like Chloe Noonan was great, but there wasn't enough of it whereas Nimona, which again is done by Noel Stevenson, is updated on Tuesdays and Thursdays, so mm. it's a lot more regular. Okay. And so as far as web comics go, I really think I'd throw my weight behind that cuz okay. she puts so much work into it. Okay. Um, but basically, so Nimona, I'm going to try and explain it as best as I can, but uh, there's like a villain. His name is Lord Ballister Blackheart. That's a villain's name. It is. Yeah. And so he, you know, he, when you're a villain, you have your, you're set in your ways and you think there's a proper way to take over things and to... Sold. You don't have to go any further. Your description is, keep going, keep going. He takes on a sidekick named Nimona. And Nimona's a shapeshifter, and she has her own ideas about, like, you know, what should happen. You know, she's constantly just like, now nah, we should do it this way. Don't you think we should do it? Like, and I don't know. There's just shenanigans. <laughs> and um, it's delightful. And it, um, it was nominated for a Harvey this year. And I, I could be wrong, but I feel like it was nominated for an Eisner at some point. <laughs> He and like it's be, from uh, from the portal. <laughs> and it's gonna be a. Uh, it's getting printed by Harper Collins in 2015. Oh, wow, I'm looking at it. it's beautiful. Dum 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 dum. The art is beautiful. If you start at the beginning and as you get to the end, like her yeah. style. Oh yes, it is. It's, it's lovely. Gets so progressively, like it's so neat. She's so young. Mm-hmm. Noelle Stevenson, I think she might be 20, if that. Oh wow. Like she might be like she's a baby. <laughs> and her art style. We're so she's in, old. I'm pretty sure she's in art school because I follow her on Tumblr and Twitter too. And to see her style evolve from where it was in the beginning and then where it is now is incredible. And I really think. Yeah, wow. Well, I just went to the first ever one, and the, the difference between what it looked like then and what it looks like now is unbelievable. Yeah, and I really think she deserves. Like, she goes to school, she does this comic twice a week, mm-hmm. and like is getting nominated for all kinds of stuff. It's fantastically written. It's amazingly drawn. And I think, you know, for all of that, she deserves a spot in this list. 
my other picks pale, mm. so I'll go with your judgment. All right, mm-hmm. so then you, Nimona over Battle Pug, right, Steph? Yep. Okay. So Ooh. There we go. I love Battle We're going to tell Mike Norton. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. No more freebies I'm emailing for you. him on my phone right now. <laughs> he and I are I tight. Get, I <laughs> Stephanie says that Battle Pug <laughs> couldn't be put to sleep this year. Steve, I'm going to punch you in the ovaries. Oh. <laughs> you can't reach. Yes, I can. I'm going to text Bronwyn. <laughs> <laughs> Show up on your birthday and kick you in the nuts. Yeah, well, you're in Narnia. <laughs> um, all right, so what are what's our locked list for best webcomic? JL8, <laughs> Adventures of <laughs> Superhero sorry. Girl, yeah. Injustice, Gods Among Us, mm-hmm. Bandit, and Nimona. Nice. I like that. I'm really, very much looking forward to reading Nimona. Yes. Because it looks really interesting. So I'm excited to read that while we have this time to go over so we can, before we vote. Um, hmm. All right. So we're clipping right through. So pleasant and civil so far. Yes. So far. It's all about to end. All right. So <laughs> no, I think this will still be pleasant. It'll be pleasant. Um, all right. Mostly. No! So breakthrough artist. We're on breakthrough artist. Here we go. All right. All right. So let's go, let's go around the... Uh, the, the, the room here. Bob, why don't you start out for us? We're doing breakthrough artists. So again, it's someone who's taken a step upwards, so on and so forth. Or, or also come out of nowhere. Someone that... It, okay. It could well, be, it so could, yeah, it could be. We're going to go for three right away. Mm. Alex Garner on these Batgirl covers. I have no idea who he is. Mm. I almost include him on my best artist list, but the fact that he's only doing covers... Mm. Free, he, this is the step up. This yeah. is his, you know <laughs> He gets here and then moves up next year to the major leagues. But those covers were so evocative of the stories within and yet posed and artistic at the same time. And that's something you don't often see in this day and age of, you know, I love representational covers that that's something about what's happening. And we had that here, but it had something special besides. Uh, Freddie E. Williams II on the movement, who I just absolutely loved. It was hard to get that sort of grittiness and yet keep some lightness to it as well. It isn't cartoony exactly. It's also not dark you know, knife in the heart, whatever. And yet you still feel you're in a real city with real bad things happening. And I didn't know him from a hole in the wall mm-hmm. before starting this book. Mm-hmm. Amy Reader. Okay. Loved some of what she did before. She did some Batwoman. Mm-hmm. And Halloween Eve, which we had on our one-shot mm-hmm. list last year, was absolutely gorgeous. Rocket Girl is a step above. Mm-hmm. Oh my god! I'm so no. I'm I'm no. I'm okay. I'm okay. Someone else. Okay. I had a moment. I had a moment, okay. but I'm okay. The some of the panels where the actual motion of reading them in the way they're laid out on the page creates the movement of the character within the page itself mm-hmm. is just masterful. And she is a very young woman, and yet this is the work of a, a master who's been at this for it seems like a mm-hmm. hundred years. Right. So Amy Reader would be my pick for a breakthrough artist. All right, Steve, give us your top three. Sean G. Murphy. You mean Sean Murphy, like the the wake Sean Murphy? Yeah, is that? I mean, he Punk Rock Jesus was last year. He's done yeah. American Vampire. No, no, no. I'm sorry. Then, um, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm getting my Sean's confused. Okay. Who did the wake? Sean Murphy. Sean Murphy. Yeah. Then what the? But he did Punk Rock but Jesus. He's been around for a while. And he did American Vampire. All right. All right. Yeah. We'll skip them. Yeah. Uh, Rock Up Church. Okay. Uh, artist good of one. Rat Queens. Yeah, it's a good one. Yeah. Um, there is something extraordinarily charming, uh, something very D&D about, I mean, forget the, the whole backdrop of mm. Rat Queens. He, he does that sword and sorcery genre justice 
a hundredfold. They're, his characters are so they're 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 awesome. Mm-hmm. They're awesome. I love the the sprightliness of them. The book is is fun. He has motion in his panels, and it's just it's a good time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would really I would definitely throw now that I've made the connection between Amy Reader and Rocket Girl. I would definitely throw in for Amy Reader. Okay. Um, and if I had only one more, I only have one more, right? You only have one more. Shit. And we only have a chance to do it again. We, 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 right. we, we right. also have a wild card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm going to go with Chip Zdarsky, okay. who is the artist uh, behind Sex Criminals. Okay. There is something about that book overall, but especially aside from Matt Fraction's incredible uh, writing, the art of Sex Criminals is just as much fun as the writing itself. He's got a little bit of that uh, like lens flare uh, aspect to his well, art. J.J. Abrams in him. Yeah, but it's also <laughs> it's also like a little bit Archie. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. you know a little bit Saturday morning mm-hmm. cartoon, but to to choose that artist to team up with that artist and take that subject matter and have such a almost Bruce Tim playful vibe mm. to the art is just it's a marriage that i i've taken note of this year and have loved mm-hmm. undyingly uh so chip zadarsky would be one of my breakthrough artists cool um uh stephanie what are your what are the top three breakthrough artists for you okay um so i agree with amy reader okay. she's on my list i only have three on my list right now anyways let's rock up church yes right. heck yes I just like, and in addition to everything that Steve said, it's the facial expressions. Mm -hmm. Like, he just gets these characters down pat. Like, they each have a distinct character. And without the words, they would still have a story based on, you know, how he portrays them on the page and how they interact with each other. Mm -hmm. Like, you can tell. It's like a photograph. It's Mm. like they tell this massive story even without the story. Mm-hmm. Did you, um, st- um, Steph, did you read issue number three of Rat Queens? Yes. Mm-hmm. The, I, I seriously love it. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah. The moment where, I, I, who's the little one's name? Uh, Betty. 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 Yeah. When she's like Sherlocking her way through yes. that meeting yeah. with the guy and she has like five different expressions of contemplation on her face. That's what I think of when when you're talking about the facial expressions. It's wonderful. Yeah, it's her and like um. Oh, why can't I think of the main girl's name? I can't uh, remember. But that moment where she like does like the fingers in the eyes, like yeah, yeah. you know, like the like, kind of like I'm no fool, like kind of thing. And I he doesn't. He does. He does women justice. Like they hmm. all have different body sizes and shapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he does like incredible backgrounds, and then. You know, he does gore, too, and he doesn't shy away from being gruesome at times. And it's, I just think it's, he's an artist that could do anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my second one. And now that I've talked to you guys all about Nimona, my best big through artist, uh, number three, is Noelle Stevenson. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so... We're gonna we're gonna add a we're gonna lock one in right now because Amy Reader uh, okay. I'm definitely voting for Amy Reader she was uh, probably the number one on my list uh, for this uh, we said you said it, everyone said how great she is I mean I think that book might be the best looking book that's being published right now um, mm-hmm. 
you know, I, I, I hesitate to put someone like that on the on the overall artist list because mm-hmm. it's only been two issues and we don't know, you know, what's going to happen over over a body of work of a year. But that the, the way that book looks is unbelievable mm-hmm. to me. It, it, it looks not it looks unlike any other book that's out right now. So mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely for her. Um, I'm actually also going to throw a vote with uh, Freddie E. Williams the the, the second mm-hmm. for the movement, which I, for all the reasons Bob said, and a vote behind Chip Zdarsky uh, as well. You know, a lot of times when I we read a lot of books over the year and a lot of artists and things can slip through the cracks. You know, you, you have to go back and <clears throat> you're doing this and kind of research uh, people so you, things don't slip your mind. But when we were thinking breakthrough artist, like he was the first person that came to my mind for mm-hmm. all the reasons Steve said, the, 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 the expressiveness, the marriage of that style to that writing, I think just works so, so well. And uh, I, I just love it. I love looking at that book. Yeah. So, <clears throat> All right, some little so, Easter eggs and gems, yeah, hidden abso- throughout. Absolutely. So um, <clears throat> let's see here. So Amy Reader is on. Um, so I'll say this: we only have one vote for Noel Stevenson and one vote for Alex Garner. So I think they should be off. Okay. Uh, I would say, look, I think those covers are amazing, but he does one page exactly for right. every book so exactly i don't right. I, like. I like that you got to mention him because I think he deserves to be mentioned mm-hmm. in the conversation. But I think that you can't. For, he had done interiors as well, I think. It, mm-hmm. w- it would be there. But if it was case like Adam Hughes would win Best Artist like every year if it was just for yeah. the covers, you know? Um, but I, yeah, those covers are amazing. They're absolutely amazing. Um, all right. So that leaves us with uh, Chip Z- Zdarsky, Freddie Williams II, and Rock Upchurch. Um, for, for the – how many spots we have? Like three spots left? Yeah. Oh. Four spots left. Oh, we have four spots. Oh, wow. Okay. So let's uh, – Chip. I, I guess Chip, uh, Freddie, and Rock are in there. Um, do we have any uh, wild cards we want to put in the mix here? I've got. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I've got three other artists on my list. Well, we can mention them, but pick one other one you want you want in consideration. Uh, I'm going to go with Felipe Andred. Okay. Um, artist on Captain Marvel for quite a while. I know that a lot of people were very divided on Felipe Andred's art style. I positively, absolutely adore it. I think it's fun. I think it's bold. Uh, it's a little bit anime. But it's highly expressive, and it, it just it captures the mood of that arc, and is unlike a lot of other comic book artists that I've seen this year. That it just, as far as a standout artist, uh, I think Felipe Andre should be at least considered. Okay, awesome. That that's a good good. Uh, I couldn't say anything against him, but I think he sort of falls in between the cracks between where mm. last year and this year. Mm. It wasn't on our list last year, but I think mm-hmm. we discussed him at some Did point. We? Did, did he we? do any issues last year? Didn't he do? He did. He might have just started at the tail start end with of Dexter, the year. Went to Emma. Yeah, I don't think he, he had did. done one yet. I don't, so it might have been into this year. Yeah, it might have been into this year. I think. So he may have just missed him yeah, last year. Yeah. Uh, to me, the, the one extra person I want to mention, which isn't going to matter, it's Yasmin Liang, who did the Steed uh, Mrs. Peel, who did such a great job and capturing likenesses in a way that don't look Greg Landish. Mm-hmm. Let me just put it that way. She didn't do the whole series, though, right? She did the last seven after Will Sliney did the first few. Oh, uh, okay, okay. So that trade so, you gave me, I didn't realize. That trade you gave me, I thought that was the end of the, the arc. No, no, no. There's, there are 12 more. So she, oh, did, she did gotcha. this, okay. this last bit. I gotcha. I gotcha. Where actually they look much more like the TV characters than before. Interesting. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So Yasmin Liang. I'm going yeah. to put on the list, mm-hmm. obviously. You know. Um, Stephen, do you have a, a wild card for us? Um. Noel Stevenson was my other pick, so mm. 
Okay, so I'll leave her on. That's fine. That's fine. Um, and then I, I, you know, for me, um, I, I the other people I had on my list, uh, the person I would pick, it's tough. I had, uh, mm, let's see, I had you know probably Philip Andre was probably my next up on my, on my yeah. list um, for that. So I'm gonna throw my weight behind that as well. I mean, I, I, I mean, by numbers that should be the last one. But I mean, I want to talk about this a little bit because I don't want to mm-hmm. just close it off. I mean, for all the reasons you said about Philippe Andre, I you know he's mm-hmm. he's fantastic, and I I was one of the people who had a tough time warming up to his art style. But after a while, it became something that I, I really really loved. Um, Stephanie, it's hard for me to vote for Noel just because I've only seen like th- for the last couple of minutes this no you know this art. So I do think it's gorgeous. Um, but for me personally, I can't put my way behind just because uh, of the, that, that, that fact. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the same thing with Yasmin Lang, I haven't seen anything but that last right. issue so of, of C and Mrs. Peel. It's impossible for me to put that vote. So I'm throwing my vote behind uh, Philippe Andre. Yeah. His name is going to come up later on one of my other lists. Okay. So I, I will certainly put a vote here from Okay. Two. Are we all okay with Philippe Andre being the fifth and the breakthrough artist? Mm-hmm. 70? Sure. If he you gave w- me a hug in New York. Okay. <laughs> there you go. So you're on. You give Stephanie a hug, sure. you get on the list. I don't have anyone else, so sure. Okay. All right. I mean, the other person, the other people I had on the list, just, you know, we can throw those out there in case we want to mm-hmm. say them because I wouldn't get a chance. Uh, Will Sliney was definitely he on, was my on, list on my list, too. On the list as well as a backup. And Christopher Mooneyham, who did the art for Five Ghosts. Um, I also have uh, Valerio Sheedy, yeah. who is the artist of Journey into Mystery, Sif's mm-hmm. uh, Journey into Mystery. I mean, I want to say this. I mean, uh, we're going to talk about this later, but I think kind of a spoiler, but. Look, I mean, I didn't put him on the list because I think he's going to be possibly the winner of another list. But uh, Francesco Francavilla, who I think really did break out this year for as far yeah. as what he did, um, but or what he didn't do, yeah, what he didn't do. If you can listen to the books, if you can name a book that he didn't do art for this year, you yeah. can. Uh, we'll know. give you a cookie. Yeah. He was on my list. I declined to mention him for the, just the same reason because yeah. it's going to turn up later. I think it's definitely going to turn up later. So I don't. I uh, you know we, uh, it's a little bit hypocritical because we did the fun of Staples last year was on both, and she obviously mm-hmm. ended up winning both. But I, I you know I wanted to give some other people a chance because I think that he is he's going to get his due later on in the in the conversations. But I didn't want anybody to think that we had forgotten about uh, Francesco. Francesco. Yeah. <laughs> um, so what's what's our list of breakthrough uh, artists? We have. Amy Reader, Chip Zdarsky, Freddie E. Williams II, Rock Upchurch, and Felipe Andre. All right. N- nice list. Very nice list. Moving mm-hmm. um, on to our last category of the night, Breakthrough Writer. All right. Here we go. So let's let's strap on here and get it ready to go here. All right. <laughs> bad, bad, bad phrasing. Yeah. Bad phrasing. I apologize. <laughs> silence. Silence. Just pure silence. Crickets. crickets yeah, we crickets. need some. We need some cricket yeah. sounders going. On. <laughs> All right, Stephanie, why don't you uh, lay us on your uh, your best breakthrough writer? Sure. So first one, Curtis Weep for Rock Queens. So we we can't do that because he was nominated last year for breakthrough writer. Well, you can't be nominated two years in a row for breakthrough writer. <laughs> well, he has uh, more breakthrough. Oh, yeah. Well, now he's graduated now from breakthrough though. To the big leagues. So. The best writer. Yeah. I'm just Whatever. Saying. I'm just saying. Well, just then, Caitlin Kittredge. Okay. Who's uh, Coffin Hill, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, Caitlin Kittredge. All right. And then I had Frank J. Barbieri. Five even though I've only read like one issue of that so far. Barbieri. So really, really, really strong <laughs> recommendations. <laughs> I feel bad. I know, but like, oh, never mind. Those are mine. <laughs> okay. I'm not even going right. to try and justify my shenanigans all right (laughs) bob why don't you give us your top three there sure brandon montclair okay for rocket girl which as great as the art is 
the writing of it is just very, very clever. The, mm. the whole conceit of, well, there's a future of policemen who are 13 years old because, well, they think only in black and white. Mm. And who else would you want to have for a police force? Just struck me as so wildly original. Mm-hmm. And hearing them describe it, so mm. Ben and Moncler, Jamal Eigel, mostly known as an artist, Molly Danger is an absolute confection. Mm. It is just wonderfully heroic, perfect for girls, boys, adults, kids, and everything he wants. He wanted to have a book for his daughter to read. Mm-hmm. And boy, did he give that to the world and to the rest of us. Yeah, absolutely. Caleb Monroe, who does Steed and Mrs. Peel. All right. Again, hard to do homages and have it not come off as just stilted and awful. We had a long conversation at New York Comic Con where he really saying so many nice things about Mark Wade and how they worked in conjunction, mm-hmm. how you set this up, and then go on your own. So if you just pushed him out of the nest and mm-hmm. say, you do this, I, here's where you go, but mm-hmm. do it yourself. It's just a wonderfully, wonderfully done book. All right. Those are my three. Cool. Steve? Uh, my number one uh, vote is Charles Soule okay. for Breakthrough Writer, mm-hmm. who is writing pretty much everything under the sun yeah. right now, uh, including Letter of 44, Thunderbolts. Uh, he wrote earlier in the year a graphic novel called Strange Attractors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Swamp Thing. Swamp Thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has newly been named, which, I mean, if you want to go through a breakthrough writer, <laughs> somebody replacing the the Grand Poobah Matt Fraction <laughs> on one of Marvel's, if not their biggest and largest title of the uh, upcoming year, Charles Soule, mm-hmm. who uh, is just, and She-Hulk as well. Who just he is a lawyer who decided to start writing comic books and has now become primarily a comic book writer. There's something there's a not only a level of depth and fun to his writing, there's also an intelligence to it that um I always become very uh transfixed on whatever it is that he's writing, whether it be Swamp Thing. He has a tendency to get very close to his characters and pull the reader into those characters and those situations um, that a, a lot of other re- uh, writers are able to do that, but he's got a real unique and gritty way of doing that, mm-hmm. and I, I admire that uh, as a as a writer. And I've been loving the first two issues of Letter Forty Four, and I'm really excited ab- above a lot of people to see what he has coming up in this in this coming year to mm-hmm. be named the writer of the Inhuman. Mm-hmm series is a huge huge honor mm-hmm. um so charles soul is my number one okay um other writers i would say uh joshua williamson okay who's the writer of ghosted mm-hmm. and uh who else do i have i have him but i'll maybe i'll mention him. um i'm gonna you know what no i'm gonna go with alesh Cott. okay uh, for my third pick, Aleshkot is, uh, he's these, a very, what I would consider, I was talking to my friend last night and he's like, well, what is he? And I said, he's, he's kind of the hunter. Uh, people might get mad at me for this. He's kind of the Hunter S Thompson of comic book writers right now. Uh, he's very prolific. He's very bizarre, but, um, if you follow him online and you fo- kind of follow his, his personality, he goes to a lot of places publicly that a lot of comic book writers won't, and he's kind of got his own deal going on. His 
the contributions that he's made to comics this year, he always manages to put an intriguing spin on giving the opportunity, whether it's Suicide Squad, his new uh, series, Zero, I managed to catch up with it last week, is fantastic. Uh, New issue comes out this Wednesday. It's so good. And it's very different artists for each issue, but the story, it's it's a spy story is um, just really, really interesting stuff. And again, he's a writer that you actually learn a lot of things um, throughout our history, just as human beings. And he's quite controversial as well, which I also like. He's kind of, he mixes it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And he's also very steeped into the music community, which I appreciate. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's kind of like a uh, like a Swiss army knife of, <laughs> of writers. And uh, he's definitely somebody to watch. So uh Kott would be one of my uh, throwing my hat in the ring for him. Okay. Um, for me, I, I, I Charles Soule is definitely one of them. I mean, the amount of books he's writing, the, the profile books he's writing, and just how good some of those books are, I think, put him on the list for me. Um, Joshua Williamson was also on my list. I think Ghosted has been a really breakout series this year, and I think he's taken his writing uh, to the next level. Um, and I also have uh, Tom Taylor, who writes – uh, Justice Gods Among Us and also writes Earth 2 on my list. I, th- I think that he's made a giant splash and you've seen how much he's taken what probably was initially seen as a kind of, you know, whatever writing job. You know, you write the video game adaptation. It's going to end up like Arkham, the Arkham, you know, comic or whatever. Mm-hmm. People, some people like it, but, you know, it's not, it's not huge. And it turned it into, you know, a book that sells more than a lot of other books at the company when it, when it comes out in print. So I think that it's just a, a force kind of in the industry and how he's, how quickly he's risen. I think uh, I need to put him on, on my top three. Um, so uh, the only two that we have double votes for are Joshua Williamson and Charles soul. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, they would be on the list, but then everything else we're going to have to gonna have to debate it out. Here we go. Have to debate it out. Here we go. This is when it starts. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> well, I think we can erase uh, Frank J. Barberi off the list because Stephanie's only read two issues of one of his books. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I like him a lot. Five Ghosts is very, very good. Well, then you may want to keep him here because yeah. we're, we're going to end up losing all sorts. We have three other spots to fill. I know, but I definitely wouldn't vote for him. I think there's other people okay. on this list that I didn't put on the list that I would vote for over him. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's why I – and I don't – I mean, is, I don't think anybody else is, is in line to be the next person to vote for him over some of these people. I don't know. I read it. I yeah. liked yeah. Five Ghosts. Yeah. So, I mean, we can, I mean, we can leave him leave as a point maybe, but now. I'm going to put him yeah. – I'm going <laughs> to say he's probably, probably far down the list. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll start out uh, – Actually, no, I, I'm talking too much. Let's start with Bob. But Charles Soule would have been on my list, too. Right, Just okay. because of so many books going on. Even though Thunderbolts was no way to really fix it, it yeah. was certainly better yeah. when he did it than what was coming mm. before. So I would have thrown him on there. I'd put Faith Aaron Hicks on that list. Ah, Faith Aaron Hicks, okay. I would agree with that. I will do that. I'll back that up if he right. wants because to back Superhero that up. Because Superhero Girl is still great. And what's the new one? There's nothing wrong with that, I think, is the title of hmm. her other webcomic. I don't and know. She, had, she has Friends with Boys. Friends and- with Boys. And she also has, she had Last of Us. Yeah, Last of Us, right? Yeah. yeah. I will, I will throw my weight behind that. I'm, I'm totally fine with that. I think that Adventure Superhero Girl is delightful. No. No. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's good. Get out of here. All right. You're so, off the show. So that was good. So that that wild card was good to throw yep. in because it was one that we we got on there pretty quickly. I think we all kind of ag- agreed about it. Um, let's see here. Um, uh, so we, 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 what do we have so far, Bob? Uh, we have Charles Soule, Joshua Williamson, Faith Aaron Hicks. On okay. the other side, uh, 
Caitlin Kidridge, and which book was that again? Coffin Hill. Coffin Hill. Coffin Hill. Coffin Hill. Yeah. I, I read the book. first issue. I really enjoyed it's that. It's a good book. Yeah, I I love it. It's yeah. fantastic. Yeah. You no, know, she's an author, like a professional novel. Yeah, she is a professional novelist. Writer, yeah. But I feel like she still counts as breakthrough, breakthrough writer. Comic oh, absolutely. Writer. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. She's the first time she's written a comic book. She absolutely mm-hmm. f- f- yeah. goes on this. Uh, we don't cover the, the literary world. <laughs> so, not yet, anyway. Yeah. Mm. What, what, Stephanie? You said, ooh. Oh, I just had one to throw out there, but I'll let Bob finish. No, I'm finished. No, go ahead. Throw it up. Um, I want to throw out uh, Lauren Bucus for comics. Okay, what did she write? She did The Hidden Kingdom, the Rapunzel issue for Ferris. Okay. Lauren Bu- um, she did an amazing job. I mean, she has novels, and The Shining Girls was one of, I think, one of the best-selling books of the year, but I'm pretty sure she hadn't done comics before, and she did a bang-up job. <laughs> Did <laughs> Steve, you read it? No, I didn't. Well, I, I read I read the the fables thing, but I didn't read the the newest. No, I read the fairest. Yeah, that's um, what I'm talking yeah, about. Talking right? About. No. Oh, okay, I thought you were talking about the the Cinderella, the newest thing that had come out. Oh, that's yeah. not out. Well, I mean, it's out, but it's not done. I'm talking about Rapunzel. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just <laughs> don't I, get sassy. Yeah, no, that was the one with the the little hair spire yes. things. Yeah, that was yes. really cool. Yeah. Oh, Rapunzel. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I would throw it in for, for Caitlin Kidridge mm-hmm. over Lauren Bucus, but she's okay. she's great. Um, look, I mean, I think uh, what I've read of Coffin Hill, so far, Coffin Hill so far has been great. I would have no problem with Caitlin Kidridge being on this list mm-hmm. for me. Yeah. Uh, what do you think, Bob? Sure, absolutely. All right, cool. So, hey, Caitlin Kidridge is on there? Yep. All right, so what are we down to now? We went in one spot now? One spot. Yeah. Oh, boy. So one spot for Brandon Montclair, Jamal Eigel, Caleb Monroe, uh, Lauren Bucus, Alesh Kott, and Tom Taylor. Damn. That's what we got so Oof. far. Um, I'm going to say that on that list, based on profile, mm-hmm. Alesh Kott. Okay. Just so many books being out there. Mm-hmm. You also read Secret Avengers. I don't know if you said that as well. He's yeah, and he's Secret also going to be writing uh, Iron Patriot. Yeah. Or War, is it War Machine? Iron Iron Patriot. All right, yeah. Iron Patriot. And he is also going to be doing Secret Avengers with Nick Spencer. Yeah, he's doing Secret Avengers right now. Oh, okay. With Nick Spencer, and then when they reboot it, it's just him going to do it. I right. Think. Yeah. Uh, with uh, shoot, what's his name? Stephanie Michael Walsh doing the art on that book. Yeah, yeah I mean Michael if, Walsh. Yeah. If, I meant to put him in on Breakthrough Artist. Whoopsies. <laughs> I mean, I know that there are a lot of spy thrillers and everything out there, but if you want something really unique, definitely check out Zero. I didn't know what to make of the first issue and then i sat down this past week with three and i can't believe how much ground he covered and how much of an emotional investment i have in two of the key characters in just three issues it's really quite something to read mm-hmm. yeah i mean uh, aleshkot is interesting for me because uh you know i had a tough time connecting with a lot of this stuff and not that doesn't mean worse than than you know or better but a zero has been pretty great you know it's been a it's it seems that he's grounded the way he writes a little bit for that series. Kind of, it's still bizarre, but it's not the same kind of bizarre. And I think he, he stepped up definitely in that way, especially with Zero into a into a more cohesive writer. So mm-hmm. uh, I have no problem with Alish Cot being. Yeah, on that's the list. only other one that I'm familiar with. So I would throw my weight behind that. Okay, so Alish Cot. Yeah. Man, this is so we, we were so genial this time around. It's like we're all Canadian. I know. <laughs> so polite. I'm so, sorry. No, I like you. <laughs> so our list for the breakthrough writers: yeah. Charles Soule, Joshua Williamson, Faith Aaron Hicks, Caitlin Kittredge, and Alesh Cott. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Good list. Very good list. Um, and that's going to um, wrap up this episode of the best of 2013. And uh, we're all still friends. We're all still friends. Joe. Um, <laughs> <No. laughs> 
this is all this is also going to mark the last time bah. of the year that I read out the releases for <gasps> the week. Oh, so we're a gonna tear, a tear for that, a tear for me reading out four four hundred books in one minute. Go 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 um, go. All right, so go. These, <laughs> this is what's out uh, this week. Um, from RK Entertainment, we have Hawk and Melee, number two. From um, Aspen Comics, Trish Out of Water, number three. I just wanted to read that title. Yep. Uh, from Avatar Press, we have Cross Badlands, number 43. Extinction Parade, number four. From Boom Studios, Adventure Time, number 23. Bravest Warriors, number 15. Uh, we've got Clive Barker's Hellraiser, The Dark Watch, number 11. Clive Barker's Next Testament, number six. Hit, number four of four. Imagine Agents, number three of four. Yeah. Midas Flesh, number one. Peanuts, number 14. Um, oh, book we forgot about when we are talking about Boom, Six Gun Gorilla. Oh, yes. Really awesome uh, miniseries they put out. Uh, from Dark Horse, we have BPRD Hell on Earth, number 114. Bloodhound Crowbar Medicine, number three of five. Nice. Buzzkill, number four of four. Captain Midnight, number six. Conan the Barbarian, number 23. Criminal Macabre, The Eyes of Frankenstein, number four of four. Dark Horse Presents, number 31. Ghost. Number one, yep. uh, itty, Hel- itty Bitty Hellboy, number five of five, Kiss Me Satan, number four of five, Mass Effect Foundation, number six, Massive, number 18, uh, Never Ending, number two of three, Shoot First, number three of four, uh, Sledgehammer 44, Lightning War, number two, Star Wars Dark Times, A Spark Remains, number five, Star Wars Darth Vader and the Cry of Shadows, number one, <laughs> and Star Wars Dawn of the Jedi Force, War number two, <laughs> Star Wars Legacy two number ten, and Strain the Fall number six. They're just the titles are so long. They're fun, but I they're know, just I know. so long. Uh, DC Comics. We have Animal Man number twenty six. We didn't talk about today. Animal Man is ending. Uh, I think issue twenty nine. They said it was. Yep. yep. Uh, Jeff Lemire is ending the book himself. He, he's done writing it, and he's moving Buddy Baker over to the Justice League, which he's going to begin uh, writing. Uh, yeah, Batman 66, number six. Uh, we've got Batman and Two-Face, number 26. Yeah. Batman Beyond Universe, number five. Birds of Prey, number 26. Forever Evil Rogues Rebellion, number three. Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 26. Harley Quinn, number one. Yes. We've got Ooh. Justice League of America's Vibe, number 10. Red Hood and the Outlaws, number 26. Supergirl, number 26. Teen Titans Go, number one. Trinity of Sin Pandora, number six. Wake, uh, part one, which is the trade of the Wake, it's $10. So good. Um, Wonder Woman, number 26. Uh, from Dynamite Entertainment, we've got Codename Action, number four. Deja Thoris, The Green Men of Mars, number six of 12. Oh, sorry, number nine of 12. Sorry. Um, we have Grimm, number eight. We've got uh, Lady Rawhide, number three. Mark Wade's The Green Hornet, number eight. We've got uh, Red Sonia, number six. Yeah. <laughs> We've got um, Spider, number 16. Vampirella, number 37. Uh, we've got uh, uh, sorry, Warlord of Mars, number 31. Um, from IDW, we have Ben 10, number two. We've got uh, G.I. Joe, The Cobra Files, number nine. Ghostbusters, number 11. Godzilla, Rulers of Earth, number seven. <laughs> Uh, illeg- me right now. <laughs> <laughs> Illegitimates number one. Kiss Kids number four. Lock and Key Alpha number two. Oh, oh my god. Two. Um, Mars Attacks Judge Dread number four. <laughs> Mr. Peabody and Sherman number two. Uh, my Little Pony Friendship is Magic number 14. My Little Pony Micro Series number 10. Popeye Classics number 17. Samurai Jack number three. Sinister Dexter number one. Star Trek number 28. Um, we've got Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, number 29. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, New Animated Adventures, number 6. Transformers, Regeneration 1, number 97. And Transformers... Robots in Disguise? That is correct. Yes! Number 24. <laughs> I'm on our winning streak. That's like a month in a row. Yeah. You've got it right. Uh, 
from Image, and no notes by the way you don't no notes at all no you're just getting it from image comics we've got black science number two bounce number eight east of west number eight sure. mind the gap number 16 pretty deadly number three yes. revival number 16 saga number 17 yeah. um we've got sex number nine secret number four ten grand number six umbral number two voice in the dark number two Witchblade number 171 and zero number four yes steve's lost count by the way no, I'm not, even, I'm not even oh, counting. Yeah, I, so I've ish. already conceded to the fact that tomorrow <laughs> is going to be a hand over my wallet day. <laughs> yeah. uh, bring your wallets. Marvel from Marvel Comics. We've got all new X-Men number 20. Amazing Spider-Man number 700.4 and 700.5. We've got Avengers Assemble number 22.inh. We've got Cataclysm Ultimate X-Men number 2 of 3. Daredevil number 34. Deadpool number 21. Fantastic Four number 15. And FF number 15. Yes. Indestructible Hulk number 17.inh. We've got Longshot Saves the Marvel Universe, number four of four. We've got uh, Scarlet Spider, number 25, which is the last issue. Secret Avengers, number 13. Superior Spider-Man, number 24. Um, We've got Superior Spider-Man, team-up, number eight. Thor, God of Thunder, number 16. Thunderbolts Annual, 2013, number one. Uncanny Avengers, number 15. Uncanny X-Force, number 15. Um, We've got X-Men, number eight. And Young Avengers, number 14. Damn. Yep. Uh, Oni Press, we've got Wasteland number 51. Um, let's see, what else we got here? From Valiant, we've got Bloodshot in the Hardcore number 17, Eternal Warrior number 4, and Exo Man of War number 20. And from Zenis- Zenoscope, we've got Grim Fairy Tales Presents Wonderland Through the Looking Glass number 4. That's it. All right, then. That's all. That's all of them. It's a light week. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, Dark Horse, they've got the email with like the review copies. They said they had, like, there's like 19 single issues. From them That's this crazy. week. Because there's nothing next week. They're off next week. They're not right. putting anything out next week. So, uh, yeah. So, that's going to about do it for us. Listen, guys. Like I said before, if you guys um, want to put in your nominees and want to talk to us about uh, things that you think we're crazy for leaving off or crazy for putting on, uh, email us, podcast at talkcombooks.com, or just put it right in the comments. We can have a conversation with you guys right below this um, uh, on the website at talkingcombooks.com. Of course, at Talking Comics is the Twitter, and Facebook.com slash Talking Comics is the Facebook page. My personal Twitter is at Bobby Shortle. Steve? Mine is at dead underscore anchorus. Bob? Bob Ryer at TalkingComicBooks.com. And Stephanie? On Twitter, I'm at HelloCookie. You have to say it like that, though, when you, when you type it in. Yeah. At HelloCookie. Hello. Cookie. Hello. <laughs> Never <laughs> go <laughs> that way. <laughs> Oh, man. So uh, next week, we're going to be back with our best single issue graphic novel or one shot, best story arc, best new series, and what's the other one we're doing? Best mini series. Best mini series or limited series. So that's what we're doing next week. Um, Until then, for Steve. It's going to get ugly. Bob. Thanks for Bandit. And Stephanie. Bip, bip. (laughs) Until next time on Doggy Comics, to be continued. (laughs) 